If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey everyone, welcome to this completely unnecessary podcast Hey, for January 16th, 2018 on a Tuesday. That's Ian Ferguson. Hello, we've got some mood lighting. And I'm Pat Contry. What are we talking about? Someone marrying Tetris, Hyperkin Ultra Game Boy, the NES Maker Kickstarter, the, the Nintendo Direct, which would lead us off, uh, and Patreon Q&A, and... And Ian and I we're gonna we're gonna be at the SoCal Retro Gaming Expo this weekend. That's damn right. And that's a, that's a big deal because Ian's never dragged himself to this convention two hours away. This is gonna be January twentieth and twenty first at SoCal Retro Gaming Expo dot com for more information. It's in City of Industry, California. Save fifteen percent on tickets with code CU Podcast. And uh, there's gonna be uh, dozens of arcade machines to play and pinball machines. You're gonna have uh, free play consoles, cosplay contests. Uh, you're gonna have uh, panels. Dozens of retro gaming vendors. You're going to have people like my pal, Andre Meadows, my semi-pal gaming historian, uh, Norm. Uh, you're going to have, well, Ian's going to be there with Vani in tow. Mm-hmm. You're going to have uh, those level uh, game chasers, 8-Bit Eric. You're also going to have James Roll for the first time at a Southern California oh. gaming convention. Well, that'll be fun. Did you not know he was coming? No. <laughs> oh. That's going to be awesome. Well, yeah. So that's going to be fun. So, again, go to SoCalRetroGamingExpo.com. Use code CUPODCAST to save on tickets. And we'll see you there, maybe with new T-shirts in, in tow. Yeah. New podcast T-shirts. And Ian might have a some boxes full of stuff, like bad bird drawings for you. That was the joke on, on Twitter. People wanted the bad bird drawings. That was the one thing. So yeah, anyway, Ian, what's what's been going on with you? Uh, uh, yeah, I've talked about it mostly on Twitter. If I need to, that's the big thing. And then as far as that, uh, I've been marathoning Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, that's been a wait. Lot of what, fun. What, what were we talking about on Twitter? I don't follow your, whatever you say on Twitter. You no, already know all the audience. You know what I'm talking about. Does the audience, the listening audience, know? <laughs> do you know how to do like a radio slash podcast show? You explained theater of the mind to everyone. I'm I'm coming off a of medication I've been on oh, okay. for a long time. I've been on it for 13 years. Okay. It's addictive. You also shaved. I did shave. It goes hand in hand. I, Both I, I, I miss clean shaving. Either. Well, there was a part to that. It was like, I was just like, all right, well, now I need to do something to, you know, distract myself for 15 minutes. So I shaved. And I shaved too close. I think, what are you too close? I think you should go clean shaven. You should go back to the short hair look up. Uh, when I lose some weight, my face is fat. My face is the first thing to get fat. So on 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 the SoCal announcement, they used a picture of us with you, your short hair. And oh yeah, I was. That's way like young. from two thousand late two thousand thirteen. It looked like or early two thousand fourteen. Yeah, that was a while ago. Well, it's like that was told, three years ago. It's like I told someone uh, three years ago I was ten years younger. 
<laughs> illness has taken its toll. Um, <laughs> wow, we we both looked younger in that picture. Yeah, yeah. you looked you looked very fresh with your. Uh, that was definitely hipster Ian. I know you like me to say that. But no, that was no, no. It, was, it was me trying to grow my hair out longer. Uh, but but that, that was a perfect length. It was a nice quaff going on. No, apart. I didn't want that. Anyways, I'm looking very uh, techy in that picture. So yeah. So I'm, I, I anyways, I've uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, TV. Brooklyn Nine Nine. You said Brooklyn Nine Nine. More Hugh Hauser. More Hugh Hauser MD. Uh, not I'm not MD. <laughs> Is just, that Lady just, Juggy? Just the guy. That's not in the canon. I think if uh, I, if I ever really start something on uh, online, if I ever start filming anything, it'll be my buddy and I emulating Hulhauser in our in our late thirties, early forties. Oh, okay. Maybe you can, you can broadcast it on Twitch. Maybe live. You can get some get some of that Twitch uh, uh, sweet revenue that we should be getting this year once we start doing that. Louis, look over here. Damn you, PlayStation control uh, controller commercial. It's very tiring. We don't usually do a podcast this late anymore. I'm getting old. So, um, so my place is a disaster. My my uh, my house. So this is like nighttime at Ian's right now. That's why it kind of looks weird. Yeah. So we're either gonna do we're probably gonna do one more podcast here. Then hopefully we're gonna do a, the soft reboot at the studio. And we're gonna lay out all the porn books for the last one. You know when I moved, I actually found my 16 year old porn, like stuff I bought when I was 16. I found like the the box of the porn mags. Now these are ones Vani and I bought recently. Oh, but but not to go off on a tangent, <laughs> but I didn't know what was in the magazines until opening page, and like it just flooded back. Like, oh my god, I remember her. I remember that. I remember that. Like it was really like total recall. That's it was crazy. Re- it was nuts because those early ones really those early sets really burn their place in your mind well i remembered like this kind of like the sets once i saw them, but i couldn't recount like what was in what magazine until i saw it I was like because when you're 16 you're looking at that shit every day like that's what you have that's yeah kind of before the interwebs having decent five times a day five. you have your favorites five times okay well that that's i hope you're hydrating so i <laughs> anyway. hydration's always been important uh, so so, so yeah. anyway that's what's going on um uh I, i'm gonna start on twitch as soon as the studio's up and running I gotta get the game, the games up on the shelves. They're all on the ground right now. We'll get more into that a little bit uh, later. Um, I like the shirt. I like the shirt. Oh yeah, Vani was really happy with your shirt. My ex gave it to me, so thank you for that. So we're gonna we're gonna roll on. So Ian, yeah, yes sir. Uh, Nintendo had a kind of a surprise direct with like 24 hours of notice. It was kind of funny. They had the little. Uh, flaming image of whatever the hell that thing was. I don't know what that. What was that flaming image they put up? I didn't see it. That's the, t- Nintendo just tweeted this image of the thing on fire, and someone's going to say, "Pat, you don't know anything about games," and, and correct me. But they did a Nintendo Direct. Okay, I wish I had seen the image so I could tell you if it's something you should have known or not. Um, but I didn't. So I'll, I'll put I'll put it down there while you talk. Okay. Blow the ape. Blow the ape. Blow the ape. Blow the ape. Oh, I thought you said blow the ape because I'm looking at... Never mind, Donkey Kong. So, anyways... <laughs> dude, it fit. It was right there. I mean, I, I wasn't even looking for a joke. It made sense. I thought that's what It would said. have been a good joke if, if the audience could have seen what you're referring yeah. to. Yeah. So, I mean, anyways. So, the the direct was pretty cool. Things were announced. Um, I'm looking at the GameSpot article. I'm going to you know run through these real quick. And then we'll talk about a, a topic that is divisive. Um, we've got the World Ends With You coming out, which is a DS port of a game that many people like. I've never played it. Uh, most people I know think that that is a crucifiable offense on my part. Um, 
they seem to think I would like it a lot. So I probably will play it uh, when it comes out for this. Um, one of the main reasons I didn't want to was that it requires a lot of stylus movement, and I didn't want to fuck up my touchscreen. Um, <laughs> it's true. Uh, Pokémon Tournament DX, uh, which added some fighters from the arcade edition. I'm not lying. Um, I know you're not lying. It's just silly. <laughs> I, just, I, didn't I, want, I didn't want to deal with the scratches of a game where I had to constantly go like this back and forth. Um, Pokémon Tournament is getting DLC with two new fighter, uh, two new fighters, and two new support sets, um, including Blastoise as a fighter, which is actually going to be very cool. I think we're getting Kirby Star Allies. I love Kirby. Kirby's the best. Um, that ant dude guy loves Kirby too, so that's why we get along. Um, Dragon Quest Builders, which has been on the PS4 and I believe Xbox One. No, maybe not Xbox One, but the Vita is going to hit um, at the end of January. That's kind of like Dragon Quest meets uh, Minecraft. Hyrule Warriors, which is fantastic and got an even cooler edition on uh, the 3DS, but with... Uh, you know, less fidelity in the graphics is coming out in an ultimate edition for uh, the Switch with Definitive Edition. All of the DLC and Definitive a, Edition from both <laughs> Definitive. Um with, <laughs> with all of the DLC from both the Wii U and the three DS versions. Um, and I'm assuming all the enhancements that were on the 3DS versions as well, like how you would swap on the map, and two-player multiplayer. That's going to be huge. Mario Tennis, I freaking love Mario Tennis, and this one will have a story well, mode. Well, let's, let's back up a little bit. So the Hyrule Warriors is going to be big, especially since it's going to be you know a year after Breath of the Wild, and you get your fresh taste of even though it's not true Legend of Zelda game. But we're going we're gonna to get to that. Taste. We're going to get to okay. that. Cause, yeah. So, um, especially on that one. Uh, the new Mario, Mario Tennis will have a story mode for the first time since uh, GBA. I love the uh, Mario games that Camelot's done. Um, and The Mario sports games that Camelot's done. The tennis one will be great. Do, do you think that'll be a, a, a huge hit or just like a, a nice little niche little... You know, niche. after... After they kind of dropped the ball on it the past couple of times, I don't know if people are going to be so willing to jump in, but I have a feeling it's going to be at least a sleeper hit with the addition of the story mode. Well, when did the Wii U Mario Tennis game come out? No one remembers because no one cares. So Okay, so basically, these are like, if you haven't, haven't played it, it's new to you. Well, this one is... Genu- genuinely brand new. So this is not gonna. This is okay. I, I, I haven't even gotten into. The, it's only been a few years since the last Mario Tennis game, according I, to this. Uh, yeah, like two. I haven't even gotten to the re-releases part okay. yet. Well, the Mahara Warriors, kind of. Well, I haven't talked about it yet. All right. SNK Heroines Tag Team Frenzy. I wish I could be more excited about this, but it looks like a cheesecake cash-in. I do like cheesecake. I love it, but I want this to be a good game as well. We will we will see. It seems oversimplified. Um, Payday 2. Mario <laughs> Rabbids DLC. Excellent. Payday 2? Well, maybe I'll actually fucking try the game. Uh, Fan Celeste. Oh, EA is supporting the Switch with two downloadable titles. Donkey Kong <laughs> Tropical Freeze is fantastic. I think it's one of the best games on the Wii U. It was horribly underrated. Great to see it coming. And Dark Souls Remastered on the 25th. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see how that plays on the Switch, and a portable version of the first Dark Souls would be great. Um, as far as Dark Souls goes, I really like uh, Demon Souls and Dark Souls the best as the series went on. I kind of lost interest. So what's important here, I think, is that there's a lot of people who are upset about ports being announced for the Switch. Not everyone is as hardcore as thou. Um, it's what I, I'm No talking. one bought the Wii U, people. I did. And the general did, no one. But no one bought all people, the games for a it. A lot of people didn't. And actually, it was funny because over the winter holiday, um, when people had off and we had more people over at our house around Christmas time, um, New Year's, I was kind of, I don't remember who, who it was. Maybe it was Ed when he was in town. I was shooting the shit with someone about how if they were going to do a re-release, I would love for it to be, I would love for Tropical Freeze to, to be a re-release. Okay. Um, because it's a fantastic game that was even fairly under the radar when the Wii came out. Like, it was popular at the time because there weren't that many games, but light Wii, Wii U adopters okay. never bought it. And it's so good, I wanted people to be able to play it, and here we are. Same thing with Hyrule Warriors. In hear me out. The Wii U version was not definitive by any means. The 3DS version added a ton to the game that really fleshed it out. But it really only ran on a new 3DS. So the original 3DSs weren't really powerful enough to handle sure. it. It would run at like 11 okay. frames per second. So these are good. The, the basic idea is here. No one bought the Wii U. If you did, congratulations. But these are going to be brand new games for so many more people. So what's so divisive about this? Uh, well, there are people who don't want to rebuy the same game. Then don't rebuy then it. Then don't it, rebuy play it. it on play your, it on play your, your Wii, Wii U. U. What's the big deal? Oh, well, we want people to play it with. Well, you know what? Um, You don't need to really play something like Tropical Freeze with someone, so don't rebuy it. I was going to say. I think there's a compulsive nature in people that makes them think they have to rebuy these games. Well, it is a portable version of it, so for that, it's pretty cool. That's cool. But, like, Hyrule Warriors, if you've already bought all the DLC for the 3DS version, then you have the ultimate version if you have a new 3DS. You don't need it. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, ne- I never see a problem with giving a consumer more choice versus what they had before. No one's right. for. It's not like. It's not like at this point in time. I think the the Switch library is as robust as it could be. Uh, only ten months in to it, its life. It's insane. It's pretty good. Yeah, and and I mean things like Payday too. Okay, that's a port, but that's a port. I, I mean that thing's been. They've been porting that game since 2013, I think 2014. Everything's got a port on it. If you didn't expect Payday 2 to get a port to the Switch, I'm honestly surprised and disappointed in you. And, I mean, it's also never been on a Nintendo system or a handheld. So these are things that I don't look at as as bad. I want, bad. I want to see some new games, and I am. I'm seeing a Mario Tennis with a story mode, which actively I'm... On top of, we're getting updates to Super Mario Odyssey. I was going to say, you didn't mention that. Yeah, Balloon yeah. Mode with Luigi showing up. We're That's getting, cool. we're getting uh, DLC for some of the best games from last year in the first half of the year. We're getting 
ports that were huge on other systems that are it's continuing to show the power of the switch so that other companies may drop on jump on look if from sees that the dark souls port does well that then i mean that opens up a lot of other stuff plus kirby star allies is a brand new game and uh yeah there's just i mean world ends with you at this point is i don't even know how many years old i mean that's gonna be a new generation of people who can play it. Nintendo is in a position they were never in with the with the Wii U in that they need to put out as many games as they can right now to appease the what 10 million people that already have it. They need they need to get as many games out there of decent quality. Yeah. And that's what they're trying to do. And I think they're doing a pretty good job. Uh did you hear about the Super Meat Boy sales? No. The, the fucking gangbusters for a game that's like eight, almost eight years old. Really? Like insane. And I love Super uh, Meat Boy. You know why? I, I, I mean, it's just... But but this is the point, though. It, the sales, in theory, shouldn't be that good in a game eight years old, but people want any game on the Switch. So that's, con- that's quality. No, it, I still think people are a little reluctant to admit it, but it's the simple, I can play it on my TV or I can pick it up and go. And I don't know that anyone really wants to admit that it's that simple. That's what makes these versions of games on the Switch sell so well. So according to Team Meat, they said, I don't know if I'm allowed to give out specific numbers, but I can say that for Team Meat, the uh, Super Meat Boy Switch made more money on its day one than our Xbox Live Arcade launch on October 20, 2010. That's insane, and that game was hyped to the moon for the launch in 2010. I don't know. Maybe there's something to do with the fact that they get a bigger cut, but that almost sounds like it sold more overall but that's yeah that's that's nuts well that's absolutely nuts my um my friend and his uh team who worked on it uh just released their game uh super meat boy uh or not super meat boy <laughs> um gun house which is like a, a a puzzle slash tower defense type game it's hard to explain and i i told him i said this is going to be gangbusters because the 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 switches indie scene the the indie game scene on the download store at least for right now is not very diluted it's like the exact opposite of what the Wii U and Wii store and um uh what was it DS Lite uh, the DS, uh, not the DS, like the one after it. The fuck. 3DS? No, the one in between. The, in between the, the camera. What? Between the DS Lite and... Oh, DSi. DSi. Yeah, Jesus Christ. It was so pointless and short-lived, but it was the one that introduced the store. Oh, okay. There's almost no... There's almost... Almost no shovelware on that thing. On the Switch's digital store, almost all the games okay. are good. So people will literally just buy games that show up on it because they're like, "Well, it's on the Switch store; it it's probably good." good. Uh, it, it's it's a great marketplace. According to this Kotaku article, uh, the Switch version of Shovel Knight sold better than any other versions at launch, according to Yacht Club Games. Wonder Boy Dragon's Trap, Forma Eight, and other games have seen similar success. Yep. Uh, SMG Studios noted that in September, Death Squared sold more on the Switch in the first three days than on all other platforms it released on combined. I'm not surprised. Same thing happened to the Zelda-like exploration game Ocean Horn. And then Steam World Dig 2 uh, sold 10 times more on Switch than on Steam. This is a big deal because this means that people are actually, unlike the Wii U, you're going to get on Yeah, Pat, you bought it. 
I bought two games for the Wii U. So people are using the Switch enough that they need to buy several games already. Ten games. Like, people are constantly looking for new stuff to buy. That's the difference. I I have a lot of physical games for the Switch, but I also have a ton of download games. The The... The download library is just that nice. Anyway, I'm excited. We kind of got off track. Physical version of Super Meat Boy and Switch is supposed to arrive as as well at some point, and that'll do great as well. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'm not. I I won't rebuy it digitally, but I don't own a single physical copy of Super Meat Boy, and I'm pretty sure Nicholas will publish that. And uh, they always come with fun goodies, so. There you go. So uh, Nintendo's doing all right, and uh, we'll see if by one year in they'll pass the Wii U total sales. It's going to be close, uh, for sure. I thought we got. I thought they beat the Wii U. No, already. Oh. No, they got fastest selling U.S. system in a year. No, okay. That's that's true. All right. So next up, let's talk about porn. <laughs> Who doesn't love porn? What? Was, was there a better intro? <laughs> there, there must have been. <laughs> Let's talk about porn, Ian. Let's We're start. talking about porn, Patrick. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I have to act like your dad when I'm saying that, but Patrick, we're going to talk about pornography. Uh, I mean, that's what's so funny. <laughs> I'm in a sex ed class now. So originally I thought this was overall, but of course it couldn't be overall. This is just for video game characters, but if anyone was curious... The rankings are in for Pornhub's uh, searches for video game characters of 2017. Um, Not surprisingly to me, I don't know how much Pat pays attention to video game porn. I pay a lot of attention to it. Um, (laughs) He's a connoisseur of of the scene. It's just a hobby of mine. Quite frankly, a lot of this is never really good enough for a fucking solid spank. Um I have seen the CG animated. Yeah, it's just it, it, it's like it's, a, it's it, like a twenty second loop over and over. It's a again. loop over and over, and the, and from what I've seen, the voices and moans don't match what's going on. So no, you you really got to try to imagine it being erotic. It's I, at that we've point. talked about it before, in a, uh, to an extent with Overwatch before. It's all done in uh, I think Gary's mod or something. And it's like gonna that. be the table for this segment. And it was like uh, SWF. No, SWF is uh, Flash. It's like. I don't know. It has a weird extension. It has like right. its own term. Anyway, so, so so Overwatch was number one. Overwatch, far and away, number one with the characters. Three characters in the lead: Diva, Mercy, and uh, Tracer. So Tracer, I, I know enough that I know what tra- Tracer is. The the British one with the goggles. Australian. You know? Australian. Yeah, I'm in the ballpark. I know that one. What what are the other two? Okay, Diva is the Diva, uh, the uh, the uh, I believe she's uh, yes she's the Korean player who has the uh, mech. She's really good at StarCraft. That's her uh, part of her lore. Uh, and then Gremlin Diva was the big thing where she was because uh, 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 she's portrayed with Doritos and Mountain Dew. I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at it right now. I did a search oh. and it came up. All right. You have the Overwatch Ultimate Diva collection. I guess that's a collection. All right. Of stuff and what the fuck? Okay. Bunch of loops. Probably her robot. And then the other one is uh, Mercy. Mercy. Mercy is the healer. Mercy. She's like an angel. Overwatch. And let's see what comes up here. Uh, point of view sound. S S F M. 
That's a fun. That's a porn. thank you. So these get a lot of views. This oh one yeah, has, they get tons. This of one views. has two hundred twenty-one thousand. This one, the Winged Victory Mercy Overwatch Blender Animation with Sound, eight hundred eighty-two thousand views. That's a lot of spanks. And if you ever saw that's the a lot of spanks, and, and the thing one is, has over a million. Right. So that's the thing. If you were to three million, there you are. It's a lot of babies. It's a just, lot of a lot of babies is dead. It's a lot gone. of babies with no homes. Well, so okay. <laughs> Do we have a larger point to this besides that we know that a lot of people want this stuff? It's, it's, I mean, what? we kind of did this last year, and we're doing it again wait, this wait, year. Wait, hold on a second. We're missing out on something here. Uh, the Pokemon aspect. Yeah. Okay. What? So Pokemon's Misty, two point six million. Yeah, that's kind of gross. Beat off competition. That's clever article. Yeah, clever article. Also, Misty's like twelve. Is she really? I mean, in the games, yeah. She's young. Right, I'm not comfortable searching that. I want the FBI coming after me. I mean, yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's animated, so it means technically not illegal. But, that's still but let's, weird. I mean, let's talk about the, the I, actual I, Pokemon. I, wait, okay, let's do that. So they actually do um, bring in, uh, let's see. Pikachu porn? Uh, yeah, Pikachu porn. I'm afraid to search. But that's weird. Um, but Gardevoir. What the fuck? Gardevoir? I mean, just search it. Okay. When you search Pikachu, you get animated Pikachu, which is disturbing. But then you get people in the costumes. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. Okay, it's kind of cute with the girl in the costume. That's like kind of a normal I mean, that's thing. fine. That's like a Kigurumi. It gets fucking bizarre. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of out at this point for some of these. Okay. All right. I'm out. Matt, do a search for Gardevoir. Gardevoir? Gardevoir. Yeah, Gardevoir. Not Gardevoir. G-A-R-D-E-V-O-I-R. All right, let's, let's, see, I-R. let's see what this looks like here. I, I wasn't surprised to see this was um, the, the big creature one. What the fuck? It's like a plant girl. Okay. Yeah. So okay. There you go. 472,000 views. Uh, hentai. Uh, hottest Gardevoir animation loop. Okay. The hottest one. The hottest one. The hottest There's one, one with just picks. Like this, uh, yeah, not for me that one. But okay, fortunately, uh, Lara Croft's there still. So let's go over a couple of these. Let's just run them down real quick. Still there from from coast to coast, from north to south. Diva, Mercy, Tracer, Misty, Lara Croft, Woo, Zelda. All right, Melina. I'm going to talk about that in a second. That's that's surprising. We're going to talk about that. Melina, Widowmaker. See, now I would have thought Widowmaker from Overwatch would have. Probably beaten out Mercy. Okay. Um, Dawn from Pokemon. Ash from Pokemon. The male. Male representation in the Spank Bank. Uh, Sombra from Overwatch. Serena from Pokemon. Gardevoir. Katana from Mortal Kombat. Well. Pharah from Overwatch. And Pikachu from Pokemon. Right. Here's what's weird to me. I wanted to bring this up. Melina is over Katana. From Mortal Kombat, yet Melina's mouth is just all big fangs, and she's above Katana. She's, above she's the evil one, though. So that she's maybe the that's... evil one with yeah. the monster mouth. But here's the thing: I would search for Melina over Katana. Why? Because I... it's like it's ta- more taboo that she's evil. I don't know. I don't know. You finish this segment. I've said the last thing I want to say. Mel- okay, Melina, Mortal Kombat. What? What is it? Just the SMFs? Yeah, it is. There's no. There's no like SFMs. Co- SF- there's no like cosplay porn. It's all just probably not. It's all just loops, like you said, the slow loops. In. I'm just saying the fact that she could rip out my organs is far more attractive. Well, some people are into that. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of proud that Lara Croft's still in there, and I guarantee you some of those is cosplay porn, with not just the weird 
loops that are three seconds long. There's a video that's really popular that's actually fairly gross that probably keeps her in the running. Should I look it up? Nope. For, just for the research? Uh-uh. Lara Croft. Don't do it. It's probably not going to come up right. And, and don't even try rattling off the creators because I'm not going to acknowledge it one way or another. I don't see anything that weird. There's some. There's an interrogation video. That's that's live action, though. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, anyways, we're done. All right. All right. Before you... this gets too hot. Um... Oh, yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, my blood has gone ice cold I, I, talking about this in this I, room. You know, it's, it's, it, we do this every year. We, just, we do at least one porn topic. Didn't we do one like a year or two ago? I think we did one about a year ago and about a year before that, too. It's, it's fun. Yep, comes porn, up. Pornhub's uh, not, not a bad site. We're, we're going to start uploading there because of the apocalypse. <clears throat> Actually, I think Pornhub's a very good site for what they do. Yeah. I mean, they plowed streets for free. They donate money to good causes. They plow streets? They want to get like, the Pornhub like, crew out there and start <clears throat> plugging holes? You didn't see that? No, I did not see that. They did it this year and they did it last year when the blizzards got really bad uh, in certain parts of, I think it was Boston. Um, it was, uh, we'll plow you for free or something like well, that. And if enough people called in like for their neighborhood where the plows hadn't reached, they would uh, send in a Pornhub-sponsored plow to plow your streets. And they actually cleared up a pretty good number of streets. All right, then. Good on Pornhub. And they're good on, uh, like, uh, free birth control and promoting that sort of stuff. All right, they're giving back to the community. Oh, they really are. It's weird. You know, it's sort of like... It's uh, a cool site. Yeah. All right, Ian, uh, this is... Uh, I'm not sure what to make of this one. Uh, Ow. Florida woman <clears throat> plans to marry Tetris, according to a report. All right, so this is originally via My Nintendo News. All right, uh, Norul Majabin Hassan, 20-year-old Florida student, uh, has a romantic history, an interesting romantic history, according to this article. Latest fling is with a Tetris NES cartridge. So, yeah. Um, she prefers <clears throat> to be known as Fractal Tetris Horicon. I'm not sure if in... First of all, yeah, it has to be Florida. But I'm not sure. It's Florida. So I'm not sure if you can marry an inanimate object in, Flor- in Florida. I'm guessing no. But, you know, maybe there'll be a special ceremony. That, that I, there might happens. be a <clears throat> internet priest who could do it. An know. internet priest? I should call my dad. I mean, so her, he married Bonnie and I. And her, he's an internet priest. Her love for the retro puzzler started in September of last year. So this is a this is a whirlwind romance. This is very quick. Um she she explains, Fractal, it started when I would play this game called Smash Run. I would hear the Tetris theme, and I thought it was nice. Every time I heard it, I would want to play Tetris. All I did was play the game and kept thinking I want to play Tetris. I think Tetris is so beautiful. He he is about perfection, and he stimulates your mind. Physically, I get that feeling that people in relationships get, that you know they are the right one. Um, so she's also had a relationship with uh, a calculator named Pierre mm-hmm. and a companion cube uh, from Portal and an oscilloscope. Called Braxton. They, yep. they make oscilloscopes still? Like the giant ones at the swap meet? Like the old ones from the 60s? You can buy a new one? I don't know. That. I have no idea. They're particularly important um, in uh, sound design. Like uh, they make ones that slot right into the synthesizers I have up front so you can see the waveform you're shaping. Have you got third base with that one yet? Um, I don't have one. I wish I did. <clears throat> All right. So this woman is... Probably troubled in some way. I don't think this is a publicity stunt. Um, what's weird, the weirdest thing to me, I'm not sure how much I want to comment on this. 
is that the label on the Tetris cartridge is, I mean, heavily damaged. Yeah. I don't know what to make of that. Likes cuddling with the Tetris cartridge? I don't make that. But that is the worst label of a Tetris cartridge I've ever seen. Um, so, I don't know. Any comments? I don't know where to go with this. <sighs> okay. So, I'm going to be the guy. Um, <clears throat> it's odd, but it is a recognized thing. Condition. Yeah, condition, whether it's, you know, however however you want to look at it. And it seems weird because ob- it's... Ob- objectophilia, is that what it's called? Yeah, objectophilia. Um, they actually talk about it on an episode of We Bear Bears relating to food. Oh, <clears throat> um, educational. But there's this line, and it might be strange, it's... It, you know, it's it's something upstairs, but this almost makes sense to me. She became obsessed. Oh, here it is. Uh, I think Tetris is so beautiful, Hassan says. He is about perfection and he stimulates your mind. Physically, I get that feeling that people in relationships get, that you know they're the right one. It's the stimulating the mind line that gets it, that mm-hmm. that, that, that gets me. It makes me just wonder, you know, when when people talk about love and attraction, you get different answers from everyone as to what stimulates that part of their brain that makes them feel an attraction or perhaps an addiction. Um, is it the brain chemistry? Is it physical attraction? Is it is it you know compatibility in bed? Is it sharing of interests? And I when I read that line, I was like, huh. I think I've on this one maybe I've gotten that tenuous link, you know, maybe that's it. It's interesting. I, I, you know, I as a person with a bunch of his own issues, I, I don't want to comment too much on it. But I mean, it's, it's obviously well, it's obviously different. I mean, we you can't say it's not, but that line in particular stuck sure. out to me as a is something well, I hadn't thought of. Yeah, it's it's like you said, it stimulates your mind. It's perfection. Can't really find that in humans, no, uh, honey. So this might be the best for you if that's your line of thinking about having someone perfect in your life. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm that's, not saying... that might be part of it. According to this, the original article is a Metro UK. She she said growing up she only she didn't like humans, like she liked robots and things like that. So my question is, how did the original reporter find this person and decided this is I'm going to do a, a story on? That's well, I'm trying to find out from the original article. I don't see it there, how this came out. Like, if this was, like, a YouTube video or she posted on a forum and she has, like, a, a big Tetris, the T symbol in her bed with her. She owns that. So, uh, yeah, this is not an act. She 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 has this this uh, condition. The, so. These are things. And, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to say it's not out there, but that I, when reading that article, I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Okay, okay, okay. And then that was the end of the article. Uh, her quote is, I'm not doing any anyone or anything any harm. What is the issue? They think it's weird. Truth. But, but I asked them to give me it's one. Not, I mean, it's not really doing anyone any harm. I asked them to give me one good reason why I shouldn't date tr- Tetris, and they can't. I don't have a, a good reason why you shouldn't, but, you know, I, I don't know if what happens 20 years from now or middle age if you regret marrying an inanimate object when you're 20 i don't know 
That's all I'm going to say. I, I have no idea. <laughs> What's so. the difference from some I, – I mean uh, – I'm trying not to make light of it too much because obviously this is something Yeah, that, I, that's the thing. I don't want to uh, make light of it and honestly, what's the difference – than uh, other than uh, what's the difference from someone who falls in love with reading or writing or anything else and just decides never to get married and that's what they do what What about the you mean i I fall in love with the, the hobby of reading I don't identify that object, though, as a sexual object, though. Okay, yeah. That's it's, it's, it's different, but I'm just saying there are still people who fall... Who, who take their hobby so seriously. Who fall for their hobby so seriously that they, they right. leave romance out. This obviously has this, the added step. This goes into physicality. But there are, there are... I mean, there are dudes in their 50s who are at, you know, the fucking hobby stores with their train conductor hats buying their trains, and they've never gotten married, and it's because they take their hobbies seriously. And honestly... I think model trains are kind of a fucking cool hobby. Are those trains finding a special tunnel, Ian? We don't know. <laughs> All right, that's a good out. We're going to end it on that one. Uh, so this is an interesting uh, new development. There's always like a, a Game Boy gadget each year. It seems like that seems like it's going to possibly come out. All right, so Hyperkin is talking about and pushing uh, push uh, what the push it. Okay. The Hyperkin Ultra Ultra Game, Game Boy. Boy. It's the Hyperkin Ultra Game Boy. Um, this thing's interesting to me for a few reasons. Uh, what is it, Ian? Uh, well, it's a recreation, essentially... They don't mention it anywhere, but it's it's a it's a it's a Game Boy Light Plus. And they show this at CES. Is essentially what it is, and they showed it at CES. It's an actual portable Game Boy. It's not like their stupid product from last year that I couldn't understand why they made, which was the Game Boy that you slid your phone into. The Smart Boy, yeah, which still required cartridges. Smart Boy is fifty dollars on Amazon or forty dollars on Amazon. It doesn't have the great greatest reviews. Yeah, by the way, and that's why you. That's what that was when it was a. It was an Android phone you slid in, and you basically had an app. To play the game. And you or still need the ROMs. It, and, right. Well, no, you, you, no, you, no, you, you put the cartridge in. Cartridge. And there was an emulator to play it. And then it, yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb as fuck and it's way too expensive. Um, this is an actual Game, game Boy. Boy clone. All right. It has an aluminum body, which this article is all like, oh, it's going to take forever to see any damage on this. And it's like, well, no, it's it's. It's coated in silver paint. You're actually going to see that damage pretty fucking quick, guys. Um, anyways, so... That's a little uncalled for, that, that aggressiveness towards the article writer. Oh, I mean, the article writer's <laughs> probably a good but person, but it's just like... LCD backlit display. Ian. Right. That's good. But the weight should be interesting. I'm just saying metallic paint is not... It never holds up. Hey, let them enjoy what they just saw at CES. Okay, they're in Vegas. You know, they just they just lost hundred bucks on blackjack right before the art. Writing but they article. they're drunk on free alcohol. Okay, I get it. They don't give it that much alcohol at fucking casinos unless you're a high roller. Anyway, uh, someone's got a camelback if they're smart. Um, so, all right. Anyways, so the backlight looks pretty cool to me. It so looks pretty yeah, clear. the backlight is cool because it it goes through uh, different colors. The body is aluminum. You can turn it off just like a Game Boy Light. Um, it'll have an in-between switch, I'm assuming. Rechargeable battery. That's cool. Yeah, but of only six hours, which you get more of out of normal batteries. 
Okay, fine. So six-hour rechargeable battery. USB-C. Uh, yeah, with USB-C. Stereo speakers. I'm Let- getting there, Patrick. The backlight will go through the different colors, so it'll be like all those modded Game Boys. Oh. Uh, the stereo speakers, though, are what is very interesting. So we've got supposedly durability from the aluminum casing, but we have stereo outs for left and right. People go, why? All the Game Boy games are mono. Well, as this article kind of downplays, um, there's a huge chiptune community. It's actually a thing, and it's actually a big thing. Most people know about that. Um, be very condescending towards Gizmodo, I, Ian. I'm, I'm not trying to be. I just love the Game Boy, and I... I feel like I feel like <laughs> no, I like Gizmodo, but it's like I mean the article. I just feel like some of the ways in which it's worded. Look, Be happy this is coming up. out. Here it is. Aside from appealing to retro gamers, Hyperkin's Ultra Game Boy is also being customized for chiptune musicians who use the classic console to create modern electronic tunes. Yes, it's a thing and a very popular thing. Okay, congratulations. I mean, they're letting me know if someone doesn't know that. They're informing us. Maybe it was just the tone. <laughs> the tone is the one you put into it. You put your own tone into that. That was a neutral tone, Ian, when you Maybe right. I really just want to eat a fucking handful of Klonopin right now. That's, <laughs> that's probably the very, truth. You're being very ordinary. You're being very surly right now, Ian. Okay, hold I on. I thought you would love this idea. I do. I do. This is but a great idea. It is. It's a great idea, except for $100 is probably way too much for it. Is it going to be $100? Under 100 which means $99.99. Bucks, 99. Bucks. <laughs> hold on. is back. Andrew Lazuski. Anything mean I've said tonight? You got to tweet out and apologize. It's because of drug withdrawal, and not because I don't like you. You've done a good thing by bringing this up and by pointing out <laughs> that this is useful for chiptune musicians. So please accept my apology. You're probably a good dude in real life. So, so, so this is. He brings the possibility of, it, of not knowing if you can play Game Boy Color cards on it. Um, it doesn't look like you can. See, that's a big, big failure. The, in, the, in the one picture, they have the R-Type. Is that a Game Boy Color and Game Boy no, regular? No, black work. Yeah, black works for regular and color. Okay. So that's a huge fail if this cannot do Game Boy Color. There's no way this will sell for 100 I don't bucks. think so. It'll sell to your... Yeah, some people do no. chip tunes, but no one else will, will want it. Will you listen to me? You cannot backlight a color screen. But you can turn it off, though. Okay. So just turn it off then. Um, All of it is still the... No, but no. No, no, no. That doesn't work. You cannot backlight a color screen, meaning you would not... Oh, you can't do the tech. You can't do it. You can't... As far as it's known, there is no way to backlight a, 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 a... Not that I've seen. A traditional Game Boy color screen. Oh, there has been a way. I was just saying, it's because the, cause the, the GBASP screen is backlit. Yeah. But it's but, different tech, though. But I think that's different tech. Yeah. I, I I think they're basically mimicking... God game, damn it, Ian. Game, game Boy Light with some pluses. That's the only thing I can, uh, I can assume is that it's because the original Game Boy Color screen is so hard to... I cannot wait to get the new microphones going because we'll have, now have this buzzing sound. Okay. Is there a market for just regular Game Boy games at $100? You think no. If it's really ninety nine ninety nine, actually, with the price that modded Game Boys are going for right now for chip tuning, quite possibly to just the chip tuning market, but not big enough to do a huge run though. I mean, I would have to see how hefty it feels if okay. it if it's actually of good quality. This could be something interesting because the Game Boy Light never got released in the U.S. 
And ever since I actually what? got mine, I use it a ton. And I think that there it would find a market, but it has to be of high quality. If you got your yours modded to do what this does, what would it cost? If you got a regular Game Boy or Game Boy Pocket to to do this, Pocket's out of the question. Um, I have a regular Game Boy that can do this and more. At the time, I got it for sixty, but that was years and years. Sixty ago. modded plus what you paid for. That was years. Plus, and years. it's a huge fucking thing. The but that was Game all Boy. all said and done. It's okay. probably about a hundred now. So I would go for this because this will probably, you know, I think purists are going to want the original hardware still. Still, chiptune artists are extraordinarily, like, original hardware people. Okay. But I I still think it's cool just because we need to see... I see so many beat-up Game Boys come into the store that this could be a really nice, interesting option. I think think if this was, say, $70? I was going to say $79.99 maximum. And you'll get more people biting on it because I think not having the Game Boy Color, people will be like, "Well, then I still need to carry around my other Game Boy then to play those games." So it's like, yeah, seventy nine nine maximum for the enthusiast. I think if you wanted people to adopt it really well, you would have to release it at fifty to sixty, and I don't think they can. Not with that tech, they probably couldn't. No, because if because if that smart boy selling for forty to fifty, you know, right? They gotta make a profit on it. Obviously, it's not just charity. Capitalism. All right, Ian, we like the Blue Apron. Don't we like the Blue Apron? We do like the Blue Apron. What did you make recently? Parmesan-crusted chicken, just today. Oh, nice. We Took did. about a half hour. It was delicious. Roasted, uh, it was roasted broccoli with a little bit of spice on that, a little bit of lemon wedge. Mm-hmm. And something I should be doing every day of my life, sweet potatoes, uh, mashed sweet potatoes. Oh, yeah. Mashed sweet potatoes are absolutely delicious. Or were they yams? They're the weirdly shaped things. Sweet potatoes. They always send, they, they send out a lot I of was, fresh sweet potatoes I over was, here in California I land. I confuse yams versus sweet potatoes. They're like like weird cousins. Gotta do that anyway because sweet potatoes are really good for you and it's it, it's a better potato. It's, it's like candy almost. I was eating sweet potatoes onions. the other day and I was like, hey, these are delicious. They can't be good for me. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, they really are. All right. The last one we did was um, we did a uh, the barbecue turkey loin. The loin. The barbecue turkey loin. And uh, it was with collard greens. And it was out of control. So you know Blue Apron, they, they give you fresh ingredients, locally sourced, and the, and the ingredient card. And they don't know where from 25 to 45 minutes. ingredient card. Ingredient card. Oh, ingredient card. And it's good stuff. And... I've not had a bad meal yet. So for for eight weeks, uh, they've been doing this. It actually ends in in February. They're going to team with Whole30 to bring you delicious recipes. The menu will feature two Whole30 approved recipes each week, like Mexican spiced barramundi with avocado, Mm -hmm. tagarashi chicken lettuce cups with avocado, and kale and sweet potato salad. Kickstart your new year with Blue Apron and Whole30. And there you go. And so if you go to uh, blueapron.com slash podcast. Uh, Blue Apron is going to give 30 bucks off your first order. There you go. Uh, and, and each meal, I think, per person comes down to something like... It's about 30 bucks a piece. But not, it, not per person. Oh, not per person. It's about $10 per meal, there something like that, or a yeah. little bit less. So you can either get uh, uh, two different meals for for four people each or... Oh. or yeah, no, it, it comes. Yeah, it's it's it comes down to like ten bucks per person, ten fifteen bucks yeah. per person, and you get a really decent serving, and 
as I've said, people said to people before in this, if I go out and I go to the local market down the street and pick fresh ingredients, um, I generally to make a dinner for four, um, cause I like to cook. I, I generally pay more than I would, uh, than through blue apron. Uh, some of these other whole 30 approved recipes, they had seared steaks and warm lemon salsa verde with roasted broccoli and sweet potato, um, Chicken, whole kale, approved chicken and kale, orange salad with spicy tahini dressing. Well, that oh, that actually sounds good. I love Getting kale. Here. Spicy pork and Korean so, rice cakes with... Bit, the, that's I just had best. that. That's I just had best. that. That's the fucking best. That was a whole thing. That is the... I'm not... I, this exa- This I, is not exact. This is I don't real. Even, honestly, to be honest, they sent me that one. I don't even recall ordering it. And I got it. I'm like, hmm. And it was... Del- like, it tasted like something from a restaurant those, I made. Those fucking rice cakes. So I made good. something that tasted like a restaurant meal. I'm not even kidding. I was, I was like, oh, this, I made this shit well. Korean rice cakes are so good. So with, chewy. With the ginger in there so and everything. and delicious. And the little, chill, the little red spice thing. So porky. And and finally, the vegetable fried rice with togarashi peanuts. So so we, we both had that, though. The spicy pork yeah, and Korean oh, rice cakes. I've had that twice, and it, it's been a joy each time. So I, I, would, I got a bowl of it when I had it. Yeah, that's what and I was like, I can eat a whole second cereal sized bowl of this. Like, I could have had like three out of the four uh, servings at one time, but I didn't. I, I wasn't fat pad. I was fine. So I anyway, go to blueapron.com slash cu podcast and uh, show show your support, and you'll save thirty bucks off your first order. Blue Apron, Ian. Yeah, it is a better way to cook. So, Ian, eat the foods. Ian, this is going to be the 25th anniversary of NBA Jam since it came out in 93. Love the arcade machine. I still yeah. remember playing it uh, at near my, my cousin's at the, uh, I think it was the Walgreens. They had it in the, in the back. Back in the day, like a Walgreens or Rite Aid would have a, just a big arcade machine oh, yeah. in the back of the store. CBS. Really weird. Not I mean, anymore, though. No, but back I, then, they did Like 7-Elevens used to. They had like two or three. I think it was literally NBA Jam, Mortal Kombat 2. Or like right or Mortal Kombat one next to it, maybe a third machine. I forget. It was really a weird time for arcade gaming. I literally like arcade played games were everywhere. NBA Jam, the arcade machine at the sports card shop where I bought my Ren and Stimpy comics and Magic cards. <laughs> so this was interesting. Besides your Magic card playing days, we can talk about that later. Tim Kitzrow, Kitzrow, he's the announcer. Uh, he talked to ESPN re- recently. About L.A. Clippers NBA Jam night, I didn't know they had that. There's a lot of retro game theme stuff happening with like NHL and yeah, every every like everything. Even ESPN commercials right now have like it looks like an NBA Jam commercial with like selecting the screen or like a oh really like a, it looked like some sort of selection screen for like Mortal Kombat with like different NBA players and teams. Really cool stuff. Anyway, that's how you know we're old because now ESPN's picking it up and like oh the, the, yeah. don't like this because we're as old show. as all the people on the. Yes. Channel. Yes, yeah. we are. We're about to retire. Anyway, so he talked to ESPN. Uh, he, he said that uh, he said he's involved in some capacity with an unannounced jam revival. He said, I can't speak to anything to the specifics, but I can tell you that there is movement in the works to get it done for the 25th year, which is this year. I'm hoping that we get a remake that does justice to the original. According to ESPN's story, he's working with Microsoft for this mysterious anniversary project. Hmm. Uh, EA did the the jam reboot yeah. in 2010. I did own it. There was a follow up uh, on fire. It was on, a follow up. It was a slight upgrade. It was like tournament edition. How they upgraded some of the players and some of that stuff. It was they upgraded a, the controls too. I felt like it was yeah. a better game. 
it, I didn't put a huge amount of time into the second one versus the first one. I played a lot of the first one. I didn't, I, I played a good amount of the first one and enough of the I'll second be, one to realize it was uh, a necessary update. If I what I remember from Jam, and this is already seven and a half years ago, is that. It was playable, but it was it was a lot more complex than the original. Sure. In terms of the number of moves, I, I can't remember. Besides the spin moves and fadeaways and all that, there was a couple other weird moves you can. Well, do they that... put the alley oops in that were added in Hang Time, I think. Yes, they're alley oops. And then I don't remember, which what is else fine because you like the alley oops. I like the alley oops. Um, yeah, I don't remember. They added a couple other little things that made it a little more intricate. But it wasn't, I think, overwhelming, but it was definitely a lot more complex than the original NBA Jam. Sure. Even more than Hang Time was. Right. Because Hang Time added leaners and things like that. Um, to, to the uh, Hang Time, to me, is, is the epitome of the series. Hang Time is fucking fantastic. Oh, Hang Time's amazing. NBA! Anyway, um, so then they had that, the game that came out what, last year, right? That was a spiritual successor. So it actually just... So NBA Playgrounds, which, Playgrounds. which I like, um, and it, I act, it actually just got an... Uh, a full update that I downloaded last night. It was for free. Um, I don't know if it's because I had downloaded the original edition or if it's just for free right now, but it was, uh, it's called NBA playgrounds is the game. And it's like NBA playgrounds. Like, uh, they called something weird. It wasn't like ultimate edition or anything, but it was like a something edition or enhanced enhanced edition. So NBA playgrounds is, fun it's a two-on-two basketball game like jam but i think one of the biggest problems was in the first release it took forever to inbound the ball (laughs) like after a score it just took forever like a reload yeah (laughs) but they fixed that with an update so that made it better but the game was way more technical than it needed to be meaning like every single player had a different sweet spot for the release for two-pointers, three-pointers, dunks. So they tried to make it technical based on their stats, but instead of it just being a probability of it happening, it was you actually had like a wider or smaller window for making it happen. So my thinking was that was kind of the, like you said, the spiritual successor to it. Um but without playing this new version that, honestly, I just downloaded last night, I don't know if they've made it any more arcadey. I think there's, as much as I do actually like that game, it's kind of low scoring. And I think there is an opening for Jam to come back, kind of like this article says, because it's unlikely they'd go from idea to finish game in a year, unless they just sort of took the original framework. And just upgraded it. Upgraded it made a couple balance adjustments so that the computer didn't automatically freaking destroy you if you got ahead three baskets. What is that? I was playing music. Oh, that's all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Damn you, neighbors! Yeah. So, but, but I, I mean, I would love to see it. Because I thought On Fire Edition was a good step forward, but if they're going to get something out recently or soon, it would have to be a an upgrade of that or just a well, reskin of the original? Well, you don't know how long they've been working on it. You just True. Said that they're going to have it out this year. So at the Clippers game, this was on, they did it on Saturday the 13th. He Oh, he, he announced some of the highlights during the game live, the announcer. That's pretty fucking cool. Oh, that's cool. pretty awesome. Yeah, because the Clippers right now are not, not the most joyous team to watch in, in the NBA. So, and, and they had a contest to give away an NBA GM machine. So I'd be looking to a, a, a true spiritual successor, you know, just sideways, 
you know, two D game, and just give me, give me, give me uh, the unicorn, give me Porzingis on the Knicks. That's all I ask. Because back in two thousand ten, I had to play fucking Carmelo and whoever else was on the Knicks. That was not the best team. God, I hate Carmelo on the Knicks. God, thank God he's gone. Anyway, next topic. <laughs> so Microsoft is planning a career system for their consoles and as weird as it might sound and almost as stupid as this system sounds I'm kind of for it um hear me out so Microsoft kind of created the um gamer score system or the the reward you know the the meaningless this is what you've accomplished. You get points system. for doing shit in games, and then adds up to something. And then... uh, it, it just shows how much you've completed a game. Each game initially could have 1,000 gamer score points uh, attributed to it, and then they would break, break those down into achievements that you could unlock by doing, doing certain things. Uh, Sony followed suit and introduced the trophy system, where you could earn trophies for accomplishing certain tasks. Um, it's to me kind of silly on the outside, but at the same point in time, when I do find a game, I really like, um, especially if the trophies or achievements, you know, are, are sort of sensible. I do like to try to kind of see if I can get them all, although I've never been good at it. Um, I think a lot of people have sort of, uh, the question of, you know, what's it mean? What's, what, what, what's the point? And it's, you know, it's really just for bragging rights. Um, it's sort of silly. I think in that regards, um, that, you know, uh, your gamer score or your trophy collection would ever matter in a conversation. What Microsoft's doing is it's, kind of evolving that into what appears to be what's known as a career system, which would be an evolution of the uh, gamer score thing, uh, and it would most likely continue to cross over platforms around to Windows. And essentially it's going to kind of leave the gamer score behind, but it's going to give you experience points for basically achievements like you would have gotten on normal games, but for continuing... Um, continuing to get better at one game. So if you only bought, say, Overwatch for your Xbox One, you get really good at it. In the past, you could only unlock maybe a 1,000 gamer score for it. With this, you can continue to earn rewards uh, or, or recognition for how good you are at it. But in addition, they're going to finally throw in some unlockables for your avatar and stuff like that. Sure. Loot crates for your avatar, costumes for your, you know, loot box. Your 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 yeah, loot boxes for your uh icons online and stuff. And it's all silly, but at least it finally for some people translates into I don't know, some sort of return. Okay. I mean, as long as these systems are going to be around I mean, I'm not as silly as it sounds to me. I'm not going to fault Microsoft for throwing something back at them for sure. doing this because at least then you feel like, hey, I'm working towards something. I played for 45 hours. I didn't just throw away my entire weekend. I get a little hat. I get a for unicorn. My avatar. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, 
like I said, it, 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 it's something more than, you know, supposed bragging rights, especially if those bragging rights don't mean anything to you. Yeah, I, I, I always thought this was silly to have gamer scores because, like, what do you – what does your high score mean? It, well, it's just, and it, also because people will, like, constantly call me at the store and look for games that are known to have, like, really easy, like, achievements – so I mean, people just farm this stuff for for like I said, literally bragging rights. It's it's dumb. They're like trying to impress people new, with it. It's a new collecting cereal box tops to send away for a shiny toy. Yeah, this is more interesting because well, not the crunch or or part of a balanced breakfast. This at least <laughs> plus orange juice plus eggs, um, plus milk. Um, this at least sounds like it has some sort of more detailed tracking to it. So if I wanted to play a game like Overwatch Online competitively on the Xbox One, it would at least, in addition to giving me a, a fancy you know dress for my character, um, my my avatar, it would uh, you know it sounds like it's going to track stats more and more in detail, track your achievements while playing that game. So. I'm I'm all for that sort of thing, stat tracking and stuff like that. Uh, uh, this quote is from uh, what's this guy's name, Yabara. Um, he said, um, "We're going to go big in the area of letting people show off and represent their gaming history and the type of gamer that they are, far more than we do with gamer score." Well, I think the point there is like, if all you want to do is play first-person shooters, then that's fine. You can gain more bragging rights easier with our new system than by calling Ian all the time and asking him if he's got CSI for the Xbox 360 for an easy 1,000 gamer points. All right, that's very specific, Ian. Right. Because that's <laughs> known know. to be one of the easiest games to get 1,000 gamer points in. People call me for it I'm going to the bathroom. Ian, mm -hmm. I've been following this project for a good year and a half for I, this Kickstarter. I've been aware of it for about a year, I think. At least by name. I, I, I've known of the idea, but as NES Maker, it's been about a year. Yes, Ian, NES Maker is the Kickstarter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so this is from uh, someone I know. I've seen him at many conventions. He's a very nice guy, Joe Granado. So... Going back a few years, there was a original Kickstarter called the New 8-Bit Heroes. It was both a documentary about the homebrew NES scene mm -hmm. and also uh, recording or documenting Joe and his pals making their own NES homebrew called uh, what is Mystic it? Searcher. Mystic Searches, which is a, a little cute little adventure game. You know, so that documentary eventually came out. It came out, I believe, fall of this past 2017. I appear in it. I shot it. I shot my interview for it in uh, 2000, I think 2015. So it's been a while. It's been a long journey. You were younger and handsomer. Yes. This move did take a lot out of me some years. <laughs> so, and check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. I think it's on, uh, you, you, I think you can rent it. You, you have Civac Creator Battle Kid, one of the first yeah. modern uh, NES homebrews. I'm in there. My pal, Norm, the gaming historian, also appears in that. 
uh, Dane Anderson from Nintendo Age, and others. So, from that project, though, Joe and the team developed a tool to more easily make NES games. Because in the past, in order to make an NES game, you had to know assembly. Hex and assembly. So, that's not the, it's not exactly ex- accessible uh, to most out there. So, this Kickstarter NES maker is, to me, revolutionary in a way. And I've been excited and waiting for this for about a year and a half, if not two years, for this Kickstarter to come out. Yeah, it should be pretty pretty goddamn kick-ass. Because I've used it. I used it, like, over a year ago. I think a year and a half ago I first used it. And I was like, Joe, this has to come out. This will open up NES game development to everyone. This is bigger than your homebrew game, which he realized. And this is going to be bigger than maybe your documentary. And he was like, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, so... This is a software tool, a GUI, if you will, in order to make your own NES games. It's an engine, but more importantly, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a GUI. It's a graphical user interface. They've, they've, they're basically, they created an easier way for themselves to make their game, and now they are marketing that. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that. So that's what they call the adventure game module, which is similar to, say, Zelda. So that was a $32,000 goal. By the time we recorded this on January 16th, they blew past their goal. They have unlocked the adventure game module, the platformer module, the RPG module, and, uh, uh, yep, that's it. The brawler and the shooter module are still the go, but at this rate, I don't think they're going to have any problem hitting it. They're going to kill it. And what's great about these is that that doesn't sound as it can be as cookie cutter as you want or as non cookie cutter as you want. You can play by the rules of the templates that they're making and simply drop in your own sprites and music and stuff like that. Or you can mash templates together. Basically what they're giving you is a set of coding guidelines that you can hear, you know, drag and drop graphical user interface guidelines that you can adhere to. Or you can script your own stuff. You can mix them together. They even talk about that a little bit in the yeah. Kickstarter. So, the I mean, the main reason I'm saying this is just as a as a just to let people know. Even if they don't, and they will, but even if they didn't hit the goal and get those shooter modules released and those brawler modules released, someone's gonna do them later. Or someone could figure out eventually. Yeah, well, the that's what I'm saying. Can, Some, can someone can put that yeah. stuff together later. This is going to be a very nice, easy-to-use program to make your own NES games as basic or as expansive as you want with the right amount of guidance up front to just get something going and playable. Yeah, and I've I've used it. Right. I've used it, and within, I'd say, within 10 minutes, we had, like, an overworld uh, Adventure of Zelda, excuse me, Adventure, Legend of Zelda-style screen with was a it, co- couple of monsters and a little hero, and we were, we were fighting it out. Were the yeah. monsters um, bad nachos, and was the hero good nachos? I don't know what that's a reference to, Ian. Your love of fucking nachos, Patrick. Oh. No, Ian, it was not. Well, but we should make that game. We should make the adventure of, of patent versus the nachos. Yes, we should do that. Someone's going to probably do that now with, with, with NES Maker. So what, what's cool about it is, yes, there is like a, from what I remember, uh, there's, there's a library of assets you could choose from to drop into your game. But then you can, yeah, you can make your own. But I remember the engine will tell you if that 
graphic assets good or not. Whether See, or not it'll work. that thing I think is awesome. That I yeah. think that's the most important. I think honestly, the basic skeleton of what they're adding of what they have is the most important. The thing that makes sure that um, you're within your color palette, right? Yeah, uh, range and not and, too many colors. Bright range, yeah. and you know you're you're staying within that so that it's instantly flashable. I think those overall guidelines are honestly the greatest thing that this is is offering. And then, you know, the um, the extra bit of, you know, drag and drop that's afforded by the modules is even better. Yeah, and so with the like for example, what when he told me he told me about way back about the different what they could what you can create with these five different types of games. And I told him at the time, like, that's gonna be cool because that's gonna cover like eighty five to ninety percent of all the games. NES type of games you can possibly make. When you really think about it, and again, and this is just with the tool set built in without exploring. Without exploring, yeah. yeah. So adventure, platformer, that includes action platformers, um, RPGs, brawlers, uh, and shooters. So when you when you think about it, you only have sports games that are left, and those are very specific type of games, uh, and puzzle games, and maybe those great old Koei games you love, like, like strategy type of games. For and the, you could still... Probably, I mean, you can probably still figure it out. It would take a lot of work to do it, nuts and bolts, versus having the engines ready to go for you. The whole point is this: is that this is going to satisfy the needs of most of the type of games you want to make. Sure. Even said that you can make it your own Metroidvania type of game if you do a little tinkering behind the scenes. Right. Your... That's what I was talking about before. If you take the the uh, adventure module and you take the uh, platformer module. You know, you've got that stuff already kind of pre-existing in there to do what you want to do. It, it, it even says that in the Kickstarter, you know, by mixing the two. So yeah. basically, you know, you can load any one of these up and I, what I'm assuming is have everything ready to go for drag, drop, and create. Yeah. Or if you uh, want to do a little bit of scripting or coding or just pulling from various libraries, you can do much, much this, more. This is why this is important to me, before I get into the specific uh, tiers. This is important because for so many years, the homebrew scene has been locked away, and you, it, unless you knew how to do the coding, you couldn't make the game. So that a very specific type of person was making these games. Very technical-minded person that knew how to use assembly and put together the games. That doesn't necessarily mean the person had the greatest idea to do a game. But that was the type of person that could do it. You didn't have right. full teams putting together these homers. Usually a one-person you know, club doing it. Now you can have teams of people doing it. Right. You can say, like, you know what? I'm hanging out with Ian and, and Vonnie. All right, we know someone to do, do the assets. Give me the assets. I'll drop it in. We can someone to do the sounds on your little synthesizer or whatever to get in. It's more collaborative. It's, it's more accessible to everyone. And it's not locked away. There's no more gatekeepers now, right. potentially, to the homebrew community. Right. Now you can have someone that could have had it all worked out in their head and said, I'll never be able to make this game. Now they got a shot to do it. Yeah. It's extremely we'll get, exciting. We'll get Vonnie to do the art assets. We'll get you really high because it's legal now, and you can just babble. We'll get Norm <laughs> in town, and we'll get Norm to just kind of transcribe the gist of a story from your babbling, and I'll code it out. You're going to code it out? You're actually going to learn how to use the software again. I'm going to hold you to that. That's, it shouldn't be hard. It's basically like Windows 3.1. So that's what you got there. So this is so this is the tiers here. So the software is $36. The... The one that that's incredibly reasonable. Let me, for software, you, sure. let me tell you why. Because what I see this as is it's like, okay, for for PC game development, 
there was a program back in the 90s called Click and Play that was huge. It was a drag and drop game creation system with a very easy horizontal vertical checklist of if-thens that you okay. could make. Okay. And then that turned into uh, the Games Factory, which is actually still used today for some games. Um, I think Hotline Miami was actually made in it. Very easy graphical oh, really? user. Yeah, very easy graphical user interface. Maybe the Ian game with the rabbit was too. No, that was uh, that was uh, RPG Maker. Okay. Um, and then there are things like Unity, and they get progressively more intricate, but they're still easy for people to approach. This is kind of like the games factory for uh, NES. You know, anyone can get into this, and I see this being humongous. So. Yeah, I I could do this not because I'm a a coding whiz, but just because I have the basic knowledge of how something flows, and you just look at it and it makes sense. So this is cool though. So the thirty six dollar one is a software. It's, oh, at, yeah, at eighty eight dollars you get the toolkit, which is the software, a Casual USB cartridge, uh, cart flasher, which I actually do own one somewhere. I'll find it in the move because I have to. Uh, I have to. Uh, download the ROMs of the two prototypes I have and get them out there. But I do have a Casual USB. They're actually sold out on the website right now, probably because they're supplying them for this Kickstarter. Right. Um, but but it's not that expensive. But you also get a blank reflashable cartridge. So that's cool. Which is cool. So otherwise, you can just load up an emulator and play it. But what if you want to just put it on the NES and get that feeling? Right. Like that's that's just a cool thing that didn't exist before. And then, that, if you package. want to, you can start ordering the, uh, you know, the pieces and the boards and you can do a production run yourself by actually burning it to ROMs. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you can work that out as well. So then they have the the NES Maker Pro, which gets you a flasher that's inside of a uh, NES style ho- housing. So that's a little And there's fancier. one with the gold. And the gold one. Because you have to have it with the gold. Because everyone housing. loves gold. <laughs> so so I, I think I think we're I think we're thinking about the CU podcast game now. I think we can do that. I think we can put it together out there. But I, but just think about exponentially how many more NES homebrews you have. And people can say, oh, you're going to have a lot of maybe shovelware out there. But, but you're going to have yep. some awesome games. But you're out. also going to have a lot of cool shit. You're going to have some, some, some the Ian Ferguson shooter. You're going to make your own shooter, Ian. Now you can do it. Yeah. And a brawler. And a brawler? Yeah. The CU Podcast brawler? Yeah. <laughs> yep. But no, but seriously, though, I, I think this is this is fantastic. I'm, I told Joe. Joe, I told you this is going to be a massive success. I said, Joe, this has to come out. And... They launched it at uh, PAX. Uh, what was it PAX? Uh, which one? PAX South. And it, while they were there. I, I was talking to someone the other day about this, and this is a, a perfect example. Is Especially, I think, I don't want to say it's just for my age range. It's for everyone. But as I get older, I want more things that I can buy that give me a creative outlet mm-hmm. and less things that I consume just to consume. And even if what I would do on this never made it to anyone, this is the sort of recreational hobby that I would find satisfying. And I think a lot of people are going to find it very satisfying, even if they just make it very small to put something on an NES cartridge and sure play it. Hell, what if you just made your own little, I don't know, you made your own little like party game for someone, you know, like people are kids, people are coming over, you make your own little party shooter game or whatever your own score attack thing what, whatever it right. just opens up a world that's cool now it sounds like we're shilling it, but no, I, I, I'm, I'm really bored little... someday and I make a survival horror game where I have to avoid Nene all over the house Th- there you go yeah <laughs> even if it's like even if it's like fucking Pac-Man and he's running around a maze 
<laughs> it do, all right, it does sound like shilling now, but no, I, I do genuinely think this is a great idea, and I actually did not know that um, you knew the person involved with this. So. You did not know that, really? Yeah, I didn't. We talked about this project for a year. I you mean, don't remember I, those conversations. I've been following it, and I mean, I knew of it. Oh, God. All right. All right. Well, there you go. Check it out. I mean, I was aware of this. Well, through me originally. You sure. heard from me first. But How do you think I knew about that it? I don't know. I have an underground NES channel of information that I reach out to? Fucking hand jobs in a dark park at night? I, I have no idea. Don't spread rumors about me and Joe. All right. All right. So check it out. It's already funded. So whatever we say, it's not going to fucking matter. We can't derail it. We can't make it that much better. But check it out and, and think it's a uh... hand jobs. All right. Uh, I'm going to probably get this. All right. Me too. All right. Uh, Ian Dollar Shave Club. Yeah, you, you just sh- you just kind of shaved, actually. I did. <laughs> it's been a few days. Need to up this a little bit. So, Dollar Shave Club. I would totally use a Dollar Shave Club razor to to edge this up. <laughs> edge you up. need one. Yeah. So go to dollarshaveclub.com/slash/cupodcast, and you can get any shaver on that page for one dollar for the first month. Cancel any time with free shipping. Um, so they have a, a few different ones to choose from. They have the they have the humble twin. They have the executive, which I have, which is nice. It's like four blades. Look how smooth this is right now, Ian. How many blades can we get up to? I don't know, seventeen. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but uh, Dollar Shave Club, um, it, it's their quality blades at an affordable price. You won't break the bank. And again, there's no commitment. You can cancel any time. They have the executive with four blades. Uh, you also have the the four X which is another one with four blades and got, four cartridges. And you got the, again, the humble twin. If you just need two blades, you don't want to go nuts. No, see, here's the thing. No. I got to tell you, um, I was, I jumped on the dollar shave train early when I first started to shave. I actually got a bunch of recommendations and free blades. But, um, and I stopped shaving like a dirty person. Uh, anyways, the humble twin. Fantastic. Uh-oh. He's going to, he's going to go the humble twin. That's, that's your official endorsement. Yep. Yep, so my my endorsement is the humble twin. The humble twin. There you go. Ian says to try the humble humble twin. It's a good twin blade razor. Nothing fancy. And it's a dollar. More importantly, it's one. A, it's a one dollar. goddamn dollar. That one is a dollar, and you get um, uh, let's see, you get five uh cartridge replacements. So you're good yeah. to go. You're good to go. That's like, that's more than a month. Go to Dollar Okay, Club. I mean, that's... Hey, we're trying to sell them sh- sh- shavers month, here. It's a month and a well, week. Okay. Eh. All right. You, you use one you use one as a spare when you go to too many games or something. Yeah, there or you some, go. Or some other convention. You leave it behind. All right. You go, go to go to dollarshaveclub.com slash C-U podcast. All right. We have our uh, patreon.com Q&A. Uh, yeah, now that too, yeah. So, right. so Ian, tell everyone about our Patreon while I hook this up. So you go to patreon.com slash cu podcast, and there's our Patreon. And at our Patreon, <laughs> you can uh, give us some money. You can donate some money to us. It uh, supports us. Um, it supports us in all the nations of the world. And, uh, you know, at various tiers, uh, you can get the uh, whole live podcast for $6. Well, it used to be live, but well, live, it's podcast. not live. The video podcast we'll do a live. for 6 uh, But for 5 uh, you can also uh, call into the CU Potline. 
No, that doesn't no, sound right. First, first of all, it's not five dollars, so you don't know your own Patreon. What is it? It's Four? three. Oh, it's three. Three dollars. <laughs> if you pledge three dollars, you can call into the CU Podcast Hotline and uh, leave us a voice message. All right, here's the first one up. Here you go. You ready, Ian? I'm Let's ready. See if I can I'm so so goddamn ready. Let's see if we can control this here. Definitely not stoned out of my mind. Hey guys, this is Rich from Atlanta. Pat, I listened to your to your uh, podcast with Vinny from Vine Sauce. Interesting conversation on the differences in the user experience when watching recorded videos versus watching live streams. But my question: What's the difference between YouTube Live and Twitch? I, I I'm someone who uses YouTube Live all the time and enjoy looking at live streams, but I've never actually used Twitch. Also, bring back the uh, see you. Let's play. Thanks, Rich. I see you. Let's play is not coming back. Um, okay, hold on. One, <laughs> I would be interested in maybe doing the see you. Let's play again. Um, and two, uh, I mean the, uh, but as a stream. That's not. I say it's not a let's play. Not as a let's it's, play. It's a live stream. It's uh, not a let's play. And two, I met Vinny once. Uh, he introduced himself to me. I introduced myself to him. He was really nice to me. That's all I have to say about this topic. So, Paco. All right. First of all, the see you. Let's play uh, is not coming back. In, in terms of a pre-recorded let's play, but no. Twitch, Twitch is a coming this year. Twitch is a coming with me at least. If he wants to come to Castle Country, he can record with me too. Did I just say? I'm that just saying I'm that's doing a Twitch. I mean, yeah, okay, okay. So YouTube, so YouTube Live is for everything. I mean, it's on the app. I recorded my awesome unboxing video of the SNES Classic that half the people liked, half the people hated. So that's what YouTube Live is. It's, it's really for everything. Twitch, in theory, is 95% gaming related. Well, they kind of released a lot of that. those restrictions. They did, but they? still, that's how it is. There's oh. different communities. Twitch is a whole totally different community than YouTube Live. YouTube Live does, doesn't really have its own identity in terms of having a community versus Twitch. I mean, if you're on YouTube, if someone goes live on YouTube... You'll get a you'll get a notification. Hey, Ian's live or Pat's live. We well, can go watch his stuff. That's sort of how it works. It's the same subscription base. Twitch is different, and that's that's really the difference there. Hooded, okay, hooded Ian hasn't been around in a while, mm. has he? So thanks for your question, uh, Rich. Next question. Hi, Ian. It's Jessaberry again. Got Hello. A hobby. Anyway, uh, yeah. Ian, don't blame me for this, but what was the first movie or TV show that you remember that made you cry or at the very least tear up? I know mine was either Power Star or On Newgrounds or Nina Tucker from Full Metal Alchemist. So, yeah, thanks. Hugs and smooches, and see you next time. Me? I mean, he's going to smoke you? What do you say, Getsaberry? Getsaberry is, is, is in the, the, the Pat uh, Discord chat a lot, by the way. Discord uh, chat room. All right. Um, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I'm. I mean, everything makes me cry. Or, or feel what was sad. the first movie or TV you show you remember that made you cry? You remember? I know exactly one of the first things that made me cry was it wasn't a TV show or movie though. But unless you go first, unless you're trying to think of it, I think it's. I think I. I. I think I cried during American Tale, and that I would never have been, saw that as a kid. That would have been four years old. I was in the theater. Papa. Yeah, Ooh. I. I think. I that one was no hard. that made me cry. I think I, I, think I saw a part of that for That's... me. I was yeah I was four in theaters, almost five. Can't yeah, that one was rough. I can't remember seeing that annoying Ewok get killed by the stormtrooper. Maybe cry or not when I was like five, watching that probably like on 
whatever channel it was on at the time, USA or whatever. Not sure about that. I'll tell you what did make me cry, though, to this day. Uh, I was a big fan of the read-along cassette and tape, uh, you know, cassette and yeah. read the book. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time to turn the page when you hear the chime. Yeah. So I liked Little Critter. Remember Little Critter? Oh, Mercer Mayer. Little Critter. Yeah. Little Critter. These are like, like these the really, little hairy guy. Really hairy gnomes, and there's like the, the sister and the... And it's, but a cute mouse. Really cute there's mouse. There's a cute mouse that's always always yeah. in the shot somewhere yeah. doing something, right? Yeah. So I had a few of them. Oh, my God. Uh, my, my, Are you going to get married? Um, I, God, I hope I could do better. But there's probably all these on YouTube by now. I have, I've searched on these uploaded. So I, one of the, I had two. I had two or three. I had like, okay. But one was Merry Christmas, Mom and Dad. Sure. And I still remember the fucking songs they had afterwards by heart. Yeah. Dear Santa, I've been good. I've done everything a good kid should I know I'm fucking insane because this is stuff from like 1985. Drugs. Anyway, so drugs. there was a little critter besides the Christmas one. There was like little critter. What the fuck was it? It was like goes to the beach with his grandma or hangs out with his grandma. Okay. Yeah, I think I know this one. Okay, so the grandma and little critter, the little fucking troll hairy creature thing, which yeah. looking back is very scary. I also kind of like, like Captain Caveman. I was. <laughs> a little bit more hairy. I also like the Berenstain Bears as well, but I think I prefer Little Critter. Anyway. Um, yeah, I like both. So it depends he's, on the story. So Little Critter's hanging out with his hairy grandmother, big critter grandmother. And it's, it's innocuous. They're going around and they're hanging out. Turn the page. All of a sudden, it goes from Little Critter having a fucking hot dog to it being dropped in the sand. And Little Critter is bawling his fucking eyes out. And oh my god, if I did not just fucking lose it as a four-year-old reading that. You know what still makes me lose I it? I fucking lost it. I, Right here, buddy. Right here? I lost it. You know what it. still makes me lose it? Clammy hand. Yeah, my hands are always clammy. Um, it's any time I read a story or see a picture of a child dropping uh, the ice cream off their cone. Very similar. Do you remember this little critter, though? It oh, was a, I it was a hot do. dog. Yeah. I'll never forget it. it. was a hot dog he mm-hmm. just had. He was fucking hungry and happy at the beach with his grandma. Sorry, kid. You got a sandy dog now. I might actually have that story in this house. That's, that's <laughs> this really this fucking apartment. sad. And I'm going to have a fucking heart palpitation I'm and, not and gonna, a flashback. I'm not going to look for it. Don't put me through that. But it was definitely a little... little uh, was it grandma? What was it called? Okay, we're moving on. No, we're not moving we're on. We're moving on. Is, is that where... We're, we're moving on. I think it was Little Critter. Okay. Little Critter goes to the beach or Little Critter. Someone find this for me and send it to me in the comments. Little Critter ruined Pat's childhood. I don't think it was an audio cassette, though. I think it was just the, the story, and it All still right. made me cry. Okay. All right. Moving on. Next, next. Uh, I think one more. We got one more. Hello, Pat and Ian. It's me, Roger from Dubai. It's been a while. Hey. Hopefully hey. You guys are doing well. My question is, what do you guys think if, or what do you guys think of the retro gaming scene if you guys had both regions, both games regions, let's say U.S., Japanese, and PAL, available at your local stores since uh, the start. To explain more here in Dubai, uh, since the 80s, we had games and systems imported from all three regions available here, uh, depending on the store, of course. And now, whenever you walk into a local store or or any gaming store, you will find both PAL and U.S. region games and systems, sometimes Japanese. So, do you think the retro gaming scene or the prices of the games will differ? If you guys had both, uh, if you have access early on to, to all the regions uh, locally, uh, hope you guys 
You guys are doing well. Uh, peace. All right. Hey, that's actually a really good question. Um, we recently. So basically, what? How this question is: How would the retro gaming scene look if we had access to imports the whole time, easily, all regions? And, 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 and what would the price differences be? Um, we actually got a trade-in at Luna um, just after Christmas of a bunch of um, Super Famicom games. And we took it because there was, you know, normally we don't, we don't take in like RPGs or stuff on the Famicom, the Super Famicom that have been released in the U.S. People aren't really interested in language barriers and stuff like that. We might take in the Final Fantasies, whatever, Dragon Quests. But long story short, someone came in with a bunch of Super Famicom games. And um, other than, say, like the Firemen by Human, which is a really interesting game in and of itself, um, we had like a bunch of the really big Super Nintendo titles, but on Super Famicom, like Super Donkey Kong, Super Donkey Kong 2, Super Donkey Kong 3, which are the Donkey Kong uh-huh. countries in the U.S. We had um, Super Mario Kart. We had Super Mario World. We had all the Street Fighters. And, you know, uh, the price on those things is like five to ten bucks. Like, that's what they go for. And we pushed them like and people were so psyched to get the deals because these were people who were buying like retrons or these were collectors who had super famicoms and they were like it, it was funny cuz a lot of the people who picked them up were people who had retrons and you know as soon as i explained it to them i'm like it'll work just imagine super mario kart but not in english and for like less than even a third of the price and they're like oh yeah i mean there's like no reading in that game, sure. You know, and they and they sell it. If 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 you had that sort of diversity available at your store all the time, it would be great. It would kill the price overall. Well, it would kill the price overall, but it would be very interesting because you'd still have those collectors who require the U.S. versions of games. That's how I differentiate Turbo Graphics collectors from PC Engine collectors because there's really reason to collect turbo graphics over hey hey hey, no, hey there isn't i had it as a kid motherfucker don't give a fuck me and the richest play the goddamn games anyways but i mean that's kind of my point so there's always going to be those u.s collectors who want to buy the u.s versions but the u.s prices would go down but then you'd have all these people buying these super famicom versions which are available well, in a huge quantity and worth well, nothing his question is more interesting because it goes points to what if we always had it as kids lived in a region and had all those different versions. Oh no, sure. Then we wouldn't even place any importance on having US versus Japanese. Well, we, we would for games with language barriers. But f- most of them didn't though for the, the 8-bit error. So it wouldn't matter as much. Well, no. And, and that's true. I mean, that's what I'm getting at is that... And even 16-bit error. But that's even what I'm getting at now is that for games that did so, not have a language barrier, people would happily gobble up the yeah so, the U.S. The, the 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 Japanese versions. I don't think PAL versions. See, I'm from an NTSC country. Japan is an NTSC country. I don't see anyone actively gobbling up 
pale copies of games unless they were exclusive Mm -hmm. due to the fact that they speed themselves up on U.S. systems. If you can play them. If I'm not mistaken on a CRT TV. They would would run... And then if you put a U.S. on a PAL, it's It runs slower. Yeah. 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 Unless uh, some of them did do a trick to match the speeds, though. But most of them were are off with the speed. But I guess what I'm getting at is even in modern day, if you had a readily available selection of good Super Famicom games next to good Super Nintendo games and they were the same, people aren't going to care. They're going to yeah, buy the Super Famicom. They're going to buy the Super Famicom games. Super Metroid will be exactly the same. Yep, they're they're it's really nice. not going to give a shit. Yeah, actually, Super Metroid is there, how much language is there in, in it, really? Not a huge amount. So. But, I mean, definitely with something like Super Mario World, it's like, yeah, just get the f- Super Famicom. So, interesting there. question. And, again, if you want to ask us, you can always ask us a question via Twitter. I'm sorry, what, what's his name? Uh, it was Rashi. He always asks good questions. So, I just wanted to say thanks for the question. So, okay. So, uh, it's the patreon.com slash CU podcast Patreon. We appreciate your support, and yes, we're going to be we're going to be on Twitch this year. I, I got Castle Country's coming together. There's going to be a nice studio uh, going on there. So now it's Twitter Q and A time what? on the CU podcast. This is from at uh, G Jack X. Which of the classic s- systems of the eight bit, sixteen bit era, etc., will hold up the longest over time? Probably won't be in our lifetimes, but which one will continue to play games? The longest before inevitable inevitable failure. There has to be a standout in the bunch mark. So he's actually talking about the he's hardware. About the hardware. What hardware is going to actually physically last sure. the longest? Um, interesting question. To me, it it really does. Yeah, like I said, if you eliminate all preference over system, um, it comes down to which is built the best. Probably the N sixty four. I have less problems with N64s that come into the store than any other system. I've always wanted to say Super Nintendo. NES is honestly one of the most foolproof systems, but you have to have people who are willing to tinker around and mess with it. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. If you clean them, they're okay. Right. But I'm just saying naturally, Super Nintendos do actually break down... Um, I would say more often than you might think. It's still not a ton. It's not a lot at all. Less than a Genesis. Sure. I, I would say it, even the Genesis just has a proclivity to get really dirty. The twos and threes break down the, more than the ones. Yes. The ones never really break down. They might get sticky on and off. Three's switches. a piece of fucking garbage. The three's a piece of garbage that general. wasn't even manufactured by Sega, so we don't need to worry about it. But and two has, and they had those, those fucking. Sometimes the buttons get all weird and they're all squishy and stuff. And really, it, to me, it's just that the contacts seem to get really dirty somehow. Even though that is true for the covers. That is really true. That's really my only main complaint. Um, the games on the N sixty four seem to get really dirty. Uh, given the amount of time they've been out compared to other games, but the system seems to be a, a tank, even in taking into account the fact that there's the extra contact with the um, the power packs. But those things are usually removed once or twice, the uh, memory packs. Um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, it may not be my favorite system, but the N64 is almost always a guaranteed surefire work when I get them in. N60, uh, Super Nintendos, yeah, I may get a couple that I'm like, no, these just aren't working. And you also have to watch out for that stupid circular post on the back that oh, can yeah, that constantly can... break off. Yeah, it breaks that's off a, that's a that's a really annoying problem. And then NESs are really durable as long as you know what to do with them. Most NESs pe- are tanks as long as you keep them clean. Most people know can learn what to do with them, but if you don't know anything other than a Q-tip, N64s. What about what about ColecoVision or Atari? No, no, they they break too easily. Um. ColecoVision's controllers are too fragile, and Atari's power cord is too fragile. The power cord's too fragile on Atari. Things like Angel Hair Pasta, dude. Can't remember. The DC adapter? It's like... <laughs> it's, it's too thin? It's like that thin. Oh, okay. So it's not really the system. It, it's it's the power cord. So you're that... taking it all together, all the hardware together. Yes. You're saying, yeah. you're saying probably in 64, then NES and Super behind somewhere. Yeah, NES is a close second N64, but N64 seems to be like anyone can do it. Those chameleons hold up, though, after a while. The chameleons are really good, too. I mean, I've never heard of a broken one. Software's never broken. That's the good news. Yeah, I've never heard of a buggy game on one, either. (laughs) This is from at retro underscore Q underscore gaming. Any large-scale shifts in console-slash-game collecting happening? Here in Ireland, there has been a massive upswing in OG Xbox collecting lately. Couple that with any change in predictions for the current state and future of the retro gaming bubble. I'm done predicting, like, the future of quote-unquote retro gaming that we're living in. Um, But I will say that um, it's not just Ireland. Um, at least in Southern California, I've seen a huge upswing in original Xbox collecting. Um, we absolutely cannot keep um, original Xbox systems in stock. I never thought I'd see the day where that was the case. I, saw, I thought, oh, I knew that was. We pay more for original Xbox systems than we do PS2s, um, and while we run out of both consistently. I think there is a nostalgia boom coming for those, but I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Um, it, we're out of Xboxes more than PS2s on a regular basis. Absolutely. I think what people are noticing is that there's a bunch of... It, it's like... It's a party console. Well, yeah, Xbox. it's a party console just like the N64 yeah. was. It's, it's, it's a console that, even though it was not loved by... Everyone, much like the N64, it was a very good multiplayer console. That alone. I had a guy come in today and buy, like, I think it was six controllers and two copies of Halo 2 for me because him and his buddies were, you know, between Craigslist and us and whatever they had, they were setting up a LAN party or something to play Halo 2. It's just what they remembered. And they're younger. It's their golden art. And and they're... Exactly. They are younger than my N64 customers. So um, this makes sense to me. And I do think we actually might see a big surge in original uh, Xbox now, collecting. Be careful. When you say original sur- uh, surge, will it be more like N64 where you want to get five games and, and be, be done with it? 
Yeah, that's what I. That's what I mean. mean, that's what I mean. But that 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 equaled huge profit. But that's big, still big profits for stores that know what games to bring in and, and hold on to. And that means the original Halo games will go up in, in value when more people go after. Yeah. You know, they made a trillion of them. Right. Yeah. Just like Mario sixty four. I mean, that's still a game that commands. You know. But PS two, they didn't. There wasn't a party console ps2 no ps2 and playstation 1 were never considered party consoles playstation 2s are bought by people who are um i don't know maybe more like me five out of seven days of the week where they're more introverted and they just want to play like games on their own like rpgs or something yeah exactly people still buy the hell out of ps2 consoles but that's also to play ps1 games true yeah. But that's the other thing. It has the bonus aspect of PS1 games, but even a lot of those were not party-oriented still sure. to, to port, uh, to so ports. if you're buying PS2, you heard it here from me, and you don't have any friends if you buy a PS2. That's what he I didn't say, say that. I just said, said you're introverted you like that. me. Okay, well, but... <laughs> so what Pat's saying is that but, I have but, no but friends, it's which is hilarious. So PS2 might be this sort of weird outlier, different audiences entirely. The PS2 is going to be for a certain type of game, and Xbox is going to be... You know, it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be the new N64. It, it, well, yeah, it's like I said last time. The, I think the PS2 is always going to is going to continue to be evergreen for its backwards compatibility and for all of the really great titles it had on it. But the Xbox will probably, as time goes forward, be more looked at the N64, like I said last time, as kind of this almost party toy. Where, where that you, gets pulled out for like multiplayer and stuff. Besides, like that. besides the Halos, what are the other games people are really buying? Um, Crimson Skies, Crimson Skies. is okay. a really big one. Um, for, I might have actually even owned that. You know, I don't have an Xbox. I, I have that game. I get called every single day for uh, Battlefront Two. Uh huh. The original. Um, uh, geez. Um, I think I own that on PlayStation Two. There's. Yeah, you're putting me on the spot after being intoxicated. Um, there's, there's, there is a really good handful of like multiplayer so there's games. A, there's a handful. The same with yeah, and, and it is mostly multiplayer games that people. Well, are looking will it be for. the big racing multiplayer game. Uh, people are looking usually looking for um, the original Forza or any of the original Project Gotham's or the big one, and it's big on uh, is um, Midnight Club Three Dub Edition. Everyone wants oh, Midnight God. Club I 3 played, Dub Edition. I played so much of Midnight Club 2 on PS2 with my cousin. I Midnight would play Club so, games are they're so fucking fun. fun games. Yeah, they are. And Dub Edition, oh, Midnight Club 3 Dub Edition is the one that everyone calls me up for. Uh, you know what else I still get calls for all the time? Um, and it seems more so on Xbox because it's worth more on Xbox, I mm-hmm. guess. Is um, It's not Def Jam Vendetta. It's uh, Def Jam Fight for New York. The last game that AKI ever made. The the third one? They made two or three? They made three, but the icon was not made by AKI. No, the, no, I'm sorry. The original Midnight Club is the one I played a lot of. Oh, okay. The one that was in, what, three cities? It was like London, New York, and LA. Was that the first one? Yeah. Uh, That's, I played, why the fuck don't I own that? That was probably the most game I played the most on PlayStation 2. They're like, great games, though. They're fucking, they're, they're, the mechanics were sound. On the, on the Midnight Club games, but they were just fucking fun. Capture the flag and smash it in. You know what else I is play a Midnight really Club. good game on that system? What? Speaking of, uh, and it's on PS2 too, I think, but it's better on Xbox because of the multiplayer. I play Midnight Club. Um, 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 Test Drive Eve of Destruction. 
it's like a modern day destruction derby, but with like a bunch of courses. Okay. Every once in a while, Lincoln brings it up. You should play with us. There's like school bus races and like huh. Red Rover races and smash the shit out of your father races. I actually have no problems with my father. I don't know why I said that. Next question. Yep. Ian asks. Ian asks. Hold on. Sliding down the document is fleet. This is from. Don't don't ask all. Don't act all exasperated. People love this banter. At Lapras King. All right. Uh, is flea market madness dead or just on hiatus as it's been a while since the last episode and you were downsizing your collection. Am I downsizing my collection? I potentially am not, not, not cur- that would that would have nothing to do with flea market madness though, by the way. Um, but we'll cut the, the madness is not dead. Ian. The madness still lives inside me, lives and breathes and hopes. So I have slim. Jokes. Okay. So the flea market madness is that I edit used to be roughly, Eight months to a year behind when I actually went because I would just at some points I do like three weeks in a row or twice a month I go and film. And I went like two years behind, right? Um, it's getting fucking closer to that. Okay, um, it's getting closer. I w- that wasn't a but, joke, but question. now, I, but it used to be I would never if I filmed every time I went to the flea market and I could have five six years ago when I had like garbage bags of games coming from the <laughs> flea market. I literally did. Frank would have a big. I know. I would have 190 volumes of Flea Market Madness by now. So, but it got to the point where it would just get less and less. But then I was like, still like, I was like, oh, okay. Maybe every other time I'd feel like I I get like this really weird radar, Flea Market radar. And usually nine times out of 10, when I said, I'm going to film today, I would find something good. Okay. Then it got less and less. Then I had a, something in my head go back when I'm editing, like I want to say when I got like volume 25, I think I've done like 32 Flea Market Madness or something like that. It's been a lot of them or 29 or 30. I think over 30. I'd have to like cut parts of two together sometimes and talk about the last three or four episodes. But overall though, it would, get, it would get to the point where I would stop filming I say within the past couple of years and then have to go back another time and be like, okay, now this is a better one. The flea market sucked dick now. Yeah. They've been bad since the heyday was probably uh, two, early 2013 is when they probably hit their peak and started going downhill. All right? So four years after I got here. They've gotten really bad, I'd say, from 2015 on. They're like, ooh, these are getting bad now. Because the, there's now overabundance of people that have started to go to the swap meet and look for it. Not just that, but the sellers got more savvy, and then they would jack the price on their games that they would end up not moving. And then you start to see those nice sun-faded games. Oh, that's the same Roger Clemens MVP baseball I saw last year for 5 bucks that no one fucking wants. Gone are the days, the salad days, of me finding a, a trash bag with an N64... One time I found, I think it was a Flea Market Madness episode, maybe it wasn't. I found like a fucking garbage bag with like a, 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 a Jungle N64, 10 N64 games, and like 20 NES games for like 20 bucks. That was like 2011. That ain't happening anymore. That ain't happening at this point. It might, but probably not unless you really look hard. So that overall dampens my spirit of going to the swap meet. And I still like going, but I haven't gone at this point in time in like almost four months. And yes, I have other responsibilities and conventions and, and certain guidebooks to write, which that, that was a turning point. When I started lurk, working on the NES guidebook, I did not have the energy to go to the swap meet, then come home and start writing and playing games. That is part of it. But I'm also kind of sick of editing them. That said, I have like 12 more in the can to edit. So I will edit them at some point. 
and I might still shoot them, but my interest is waning overall because there's a lot less shit to find. So my feeling is that the audience doesn't want me to go out to the flea market and find jack shit. You know, my, why would you want to watch that? You know, it might kick up that interest. What? Uh, Vonnie needs someone to go to the flea market with all the time, and then you two could review the early morning bar. Uh, you could review the brooms. Um, it'd be a lot more interesting with someone with you if you were going to find jack shit. So anyway, so... Um, I'm just saying, she but, wants people to go to the flea market with but her. Might as well but film. they're not as easy to edit as you think because you have to sit through and watch yourself look at garbage for like, oh my God, okay, where's the interesting part? Where's the interesting part? It's a slot. She'll that learn. said, that said, I, I, this is not me selling out. Be, but Twitch is interesting me more and more in terms of what can be done on it in terms of live shows, maybe a live podcast, uh, live movie reactions when E and I actually go to That's a movie together. That's funny. Pol- pol- talking politics with Pat. No, the live pod- no I, I just mean the live podcast. Going back to the, to the actually producing. Boy, howdy, have I heard you say never again so many times. Never again how we used to do it. That's for sure. Um, n- no, never. I'll have a live podcast political podcast with you there we go we'll do that but what about a live flea market madness i think that appeals to me more than anything else because i don't know if that's really a thing happening i probably gave the idea away but that's what i think appeals to me more than anything because at the very least you have the audience like searching with you for the games and maybe they'll find something with you or not but then frank will say something inappropriate and it'll be funny and everyone will laugh so good luck getting frank to get back on that train to the flea market? We're going to the flea market in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. We are. Okay. What do you mean back on that train? What, Frank does usually turn on the flea market. He likes going to the flea market. He likes finding his CD deals. He's he's his been CD deals. he's been ripping hundreds of his CDs. He's really? discovered He knows how to rip. God damn it! I taught him how to use a computer, and I'm so proud of him. He's ripping uh, CDs. All right. Well, there he goes. All right. Next question. Ian asks okay. Shuto. I, I hate you. I don't really care. I know. At at Chilo88. <clears throat> More replying to at Pixel Oh, God! What factor do you consider when... There's people living upstairs, Pat. What factor do you consider when minimizing your collection for moving purposes in space? Thinking about selling off clutter, but don't know where to start. Hashtag CU Podcast Topics. Kick you in your fucking throat. Try it. I'll break your elbows. So this is a timely question because someone just moved into Castle Country and I have a lot of shit laying around in boxes and I have to put together the game room again. So I I said to myself, all right, I don't want to go through this again because I have way too much shit to move. Mm -hmm. I have probably, I don't know, 80 times the amount of stuff that you and Vani have. That's not Mm -hmm. healthy. So, and I have a storage unit. Mm -hmm. So this is what I decided. I am going to look at my collection and be like, do I have an emotional attachment to this Odyssey 200 Pong system? Probably no. not. So that's how I'm going to decide to get, start to get rid of certain stuff. So I'm not going to say, I'm not going to get rid of the NES collection or the Turbo collection or the Master System collection. However, uh, I don't need to have maybe 350 Atari hundred games. I don't need to have 300 Genesis games. I, need to, I don't need to have 350 or so Super Nintendo games. Like... I'm going to start strategically doing that. That said, I also have a, a shitload of vintage PC games. 
Some that are really hard to find. The only problem is no one fucking wants those at all. No one wants all my sealed key punch software, pirated shit made in Minnesota that has bootleg Wolverine artwork on the cover. No one wants that. No one sane wants that stuff. So some of this, some of the, especially the PC stuff, which I have large fucking boxes of. Yeah, I know. You want to buy those from me, Ian? I told you it was fucking cool. <laughs> you you actually want to buy that? Just shit keep from me. talking. Maybe maybe we could uh, uh, talk. Okay, so so that's where I'm getting at with that point. Do I really need to have twelve NES box variants? Probably not. no. That's and I'm no. only one away from having all of them. If you don't count that weird one that they, they cut out the styrofoam, put stack up in, was it its own uh, UPC? So it's probably not an official release, but. It was probably like, oh, we have some stack-ups laying well, around. Well, only one to... variant away, I mean, you might as well just get that variant. See, that's the sickness. See? That's the sickness. That's the sickness. One, the sickness. one away. Well, one away if you don't count, like, okay, for the top loader, they put a Dr. Okay, Mario. Okay, shut up. Get rid, see, see? See? get rid of so all really of it. See? Get rid of all of it. So really like three or four away. No, just I don't have sell those it all. Sell there's it all. Two, there's two different nope, uh, challenge sets, for example. There's one with the, with the box, Mario 3, and one with just the cartridge. See? See? There's a lot more. That Sell it all. So I might do that. I might end up with, instead of having 12 variants. Jesus. You have I said if there was one more. It was actually not one. There's like four or yeah, five. Yeah, I see. Right. Where does it end? You so, tell me, Pat. So um, <laughs> what about you, Ian? You pared down your collection. So how did you decide what to so, do? It was how co- did you decide to, to sell your couch on me at overpriced? How did you decide to do I didn't. That? At the time, it was uh, <clears throat> reasonably priced. $30 under reasonably reasonably priced. So I, I, I paid 200 for that, I believe. No, you paid uh, 145 No, I did not. Yeah, you did. At a time when it was going for 175 Anyways. Still wait on the manual, buddy. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, for me, it was I looked at what I had. Um... I realized I didn't want to move my NES stuff around anymore. And more importantly, for me, it was, I just realized I was never going for a complete collection anymore. Um, I think you, that's really what balloons I think up that, collections. I, I think that's what you need to start with if you're a big-time collector, is you need to go, okay, what did I say I was going to get a complete collection of? And... Am I bullshitting myself with those? Which is 99% of the time, yes. You've bought into an idea, and you're not going to do it. Or you bought into the idea, and some sort of compulsion is keeping you going. There's no reason to do that. And so what I did was I started with getting rid of games that I didn't want anymore. That I didn't want to play. And I didn't limit that to low price games. I included rare games in that as well. And once you let a few rare games tumble from your collection, it's really easy to watch the rest go. So what I did was, at that point, once I started selling stuff off, I made sure I went through and set aside all the games that had a legitimate sentimental value to me. Basically anything that was gifts from my parents or my grandparents or things that were milestones. Like the first game I bought for myself, which was uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Um, you bought it for yourself? You saved up your allowance? Yeah. I Well, and it was paper money, and I rolled up coins and stuff like that. It was paper money? What do you mean? Uh, newspaper? Newspaper money. You were a paper boy? Yeah. For oh, my a, God. For a long, long time. We have our first NES maker game. Ian as paper boy. <laughs> Just, we'll do a ROM hack. <laughs> oh, my God. How, how come you never told me that? 
I don't know. It's, that's brand new. I, uh, yeah, I had uh, three very large paper roots at one point in time. So, anyways, so that was the first thing I did. It was just being like, okay, you don't need complete collections. Um, but honestly, I think the big tip is look at your collections. Look at the rare games that you have that are worth a lot of money that you don't play. Sell a few of those, and you'll realize that everything else you don't play tumbles after it. Don't sell the rare ones. Sell them. Get the fuck <laughs> rid of them. That's what's keeping you holding on to your whole collection. Those are, I think, what a lot of people look at as um, keystones in their collection. And if they get rid of that, or they can't get rid of them. Sure. But once you get rid of them, you'll realize a lot of the other stuff you have is unessential, and you'll end up only keeping what you actually want to play. Thanks, Ian. Yeah. This is from at Mark Musso. Live. Oh, I skipped one. Oh, fuck. We'll do, this, we'll do this right now. I did skip one. This is from at Mark Musso Live. Uh, do you think collecting in general is something more psychological and therapeutic than people give it credit for? I feel like we've touched on this before, but um, touch. I, I, touch. I, I do think that there is something therapeutic to collecting and uh, what the fuck, Ian? Anyway, sorry. I decided to go for it. You have a mute button, too, on the board. Yeah, no, I decided to go for it. I apologize for Ian's behavior if you're listening with headphones. I'm sorry. That was just I like I made that conscious decision um do you think that collection collecting in general is something more psychological and therapeutic than you give it credit for yes i think that collecting is actually a good thing depending on how you attack it collecting and buying a ton of stuff is not always great however there is something very therapeutic to cataloging and organizing Cleaning and preserving. Cleaning, preserving, arranging. I get it. I probably should not spend the amount that I have on records in past years. However, when I alphabetize them or catalog them or look up variants on them, there is something very calming about it. Um, I've mentioned in the past, and this isn't meant to sound dark at this point, but it really did help me get through the passing of my grandmother to start to catalog that stuff. It's kind of mindless, but you also learn all sorts of interesting facts about what you have when you really start to pay attention to the collections you have. So whether it's NES games or comic books or records, there's something very, I think, therapeutic to um, not just collecting necessarily, but really paying attention to your collection and getting to learn about what it is well, that you have. It is a learning experience collecting because in order to know what you have in theory, you, you have to learn about the subject matter and then you have to see what you have and realize what you have. And maybe that information sticks to you in some fashion. Doesn't necessarily mean it always will stick to you. I feel like but, there, for, for most people, there has to be a natural learning experience. For people who are really interested in it. If you're, yeah, if you're really into it. Yeah. Like, well, I used to say that when I first, when I could do this, when I first was putting together the collection, I would play every game that I found at the swap meet. At least sure. for a couple minutes. Oh, that's an interesting game. I didn't know about that. We're talking late 90s, early 2000s. 
You know, these weren't all games you could look up on YouTube, for example. You could load them up in an emulator, but it wasn't the same thing, you know, uh, doing that. It's something more... It's definitely psychological. I mean, doesn't oh, sure. mean it's good or bad, though, because it could be OCD that drives you to collect, and you have to just have a compulsion to get every one of a certain type of, of object. Or it could be that that's your pleasure center, and that's normal, sure. and you spend within your means, and it's okay. But you don't always spend within your means. Not mean you, I mean the general you. Yeah, I sometimes... I'm... It's a wibbly wobbly mess of I, bullshit. There's people that I have known that are living check to check, and they're still uh, buying a bunch of overpriced retro games from maybe people that appeared on awful reality shows. You know, so I mean that can happen. So live within your means. If you if you don't, no matter what it is, you might have a some sort of psychological problem. And that could be collecting, it could be gambling, it could be drug abuse, it could be anything. Why are you smiling for? I'm not accusing you of these things. <laughs> I have no, no idea. No, I know. I have no idea how I much, know you're not. I have no idea how That's much. That's not why I'm I have no idea how much you're spending. I know, I have no, no idea how I much don't. I 100% do not think you're accusing me I, of these things. Uh, you might know something else, but anyway. <laughs> Ian's little smirk with his fingers cute. It's very, very coy. Um... I'm a, I'm a coy boy. I'm, I'm trying to think if it was ever actually therapy for me. I just like going out to the flea markets and just searching for shit. There's, there's like, it's like a treasure hunt. And for me, that's calm. It's, it's fun, but it's also calming. I don't know. And it's a process. I mean, what, what, there was a time when I would not miss a Saturday or Sunday for a good year and a half. I would go both fucking days every weekend to the swap meet. Right. I remember that. That was a long time. I was a lot fucking crazier then, though, six, seven years ago Debatable. than it was now. Debatable that I was more crazy? No, I was a lot more fucking crazier. Uh, okay, then. I'll give Pat some credit. He was a lot more crazy. I was a lot more crazier then. Uh, a lot more crazy than probably three years ago versus now or four years ago. But there was something, there was a, an adventure aspect to it. Because I'm not going to go. That's why you put on the hat. Well, keep the sun out of my eyes. It, it was for adventure. Of course, the local asshole collectors like, oh, Padge thinks he doesn't want people to come up for autographs. No, it's to keep the sun off of my awesome skin. I thought that's it was why. because he was a hot grandma. That, that Well, you know, I used to also play bingo, but that's, that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. I did. I wrote a screenplay and a half playing bingo in New Jersey. I did. That's not even a, a lie. We're unraveling. Pat, bring it home. Never got a date playing bingo, but the women, old women love me. So anyway, so it's, there's definitely a lot of therapeutic stuff to it, but also it can be psychological, both good and bad. Last question. No, we, we were done. No, we didn't. Oh, okay. What, right above that, Ian. Oh, okay. This is for you. Uh, <laughs> Jay Newton at the Balls Wild? The ball is wild. The ass. ball is wild. Pat, after listening to stories about your move and all the things you've acquired, possibly pairing things down. Pairing things down. Yeah, I know. I just pairing, that was not, bad. Not that pairing, was, not that was bad, and I'm I'm own, I'm just not owning pairing it. like John Claude Van Damme. I'm just going in his Amazon series. <sighs> Do you have any collecting goals left, Pat? Heart the show, the big show. Yeah, yeah. the um, giant. Paul White. I, I do have very few collecting goals left. Very few. Why you look at me like that? Bring him up. <laughs> there might be an NES game or two I have left. Maybe. Maybe not. For North America. As um, a joke? Or maybe for real. Maybe. Maybe I don't want to tip the, the collecting audience and jacking the price on the stuff I need. Um, I do need a few more Turbo CD games. 
that's I could have ended that and I could have ended that a little over a year ago, but me and the seller we were really close on a price, but he would not come. I think I, okay. I was going to should have just done it. In retrospect, I should have. The games have yep. gone up a little bit. Mhm. But I was going to give him more money than what he would have made after the fees on eBay. So I figured, why don't you come down a little bit on giving cash and his tax rate? We were only off like a couple hundred dollars in there. Yeah, it was and weird. Why do you say that? You weren't there. Because you told me all the goddamn about it. You tell me about okay. every part of your life. Every part? Not every part, Ian. Yeah, I can infer the rest. What the fuck <laughs> does that mean? <laughs> what Nothing. does that mean, Ian? What can you infer about me? Let's okay, let's have this conversation. What can you infer about me? Just what, what have I not told you about that you know about me? Let's Pat, let's have it out. Patch is good radio. It's good radio. Oh, it is good. So let's continue this this stream of thought, this line of reasoning. <clears throat> you're made out of lemon sorbet. All right, you're just being silly. Now. Mm-hmm. All right. So besides that, there, that was actually the point. Besides that. um there's very few collectibles I have left. I mean, I have more shit than most collectors would ever want or dream of having, and I have to pare it down because even moving into Castle Country, there's not enough space for stuff. There's just not. Like I can I can have more game shelves. I have a the room that will be the new game room is going to be three times the size of the old game room, if not four. And that still would not be enough room for everything if I wanted to display every old game I had. My so. question is, are you going to stop pretending like you like the N64 and just get rid of all that shit, or are you going to finish it? Because there's no reason for you to hold it in limbo. Why? Because I have like half the, I have like 150 games. Why, yeah, why just that you will like never, it? ever play. I like Smash Brothers, original Smash Brothers. Yeah, I like but Mario you, Kart. I like uh, GoldenEye you, a little bit. So you need those three. You are well known, much like me, to not... To malign the system? Yes. So no, why would... do you have them? Well, I don't need fucking Wayne Gretzky Hockey 99 or whatever the hell it is. But, I mean, I would prop Honestly, when it comes down to it... I'm I'll... seriously asking, would you ever complete that system? There's no fucking reason to complete the NC-Sport. Okay. Project. It's trash. So will you pare it down? It's fucking trash. Will you pare... system. Will you pa- the system isn't trash. The library is trash. So will you pare it down? I would probably be more likely to pare it down. I, but I have all the rare games for it. I have Sculptor's Cut. I have Stunt Cars. I ha- So it would be just as easy to complete it. That's why I'm asking it. The only a- thing I don't have is that bullshit Turok Rage Wars gray one that they sold. You know, the, the ones that... Exactly. It's not... A, it wasn't a retail the, the one that they upgraded. I could have got one when it came out. They're like, oh, 20 bucks. And some asshole bought like 100 of them. Yeah, just stick one under my armpit. <laughs> there we go. Just, just get them in all the spots, boys. No, honestly, I'd probably pare down... The N64 to probably 50 games. Like, all the weird, uncommon, hard-to-find ones and, like, Mischief Makers and that sort Keep of stuff. Keep Snowboard Kids 1 and 2. I actually found two at the swap meet. Those are fun. Um, And and keep, like, the like Wave Race and that shit and Pilot Wings Classics. and Smash. And all the Mario Party. Yeah, like, 50... The fucking N64 library could have been 50 games and no one would have known any difference. The Mario Parties that were made by Hudson. Even Cruise USA sucks on N64. I love that arcade game. And that was and and hang time because hang time is, is the, the N sixty four hang time was per, arcade fucking perfect, and I told you how much I love that game. And, and Super Ten was pretty good too, but the N sixty four one is is real is really fucking good, All right. really good. Um, so that's not clipping gold. That's getting rid of shit. I guess that's clipping gold as well. Yeah, three. And I need like maybe thirty five, forty Two. Gen- Genesis games. One. We're done. Contact. 
You are very strange this podcast, Ian. Yeah, I told you why. You know why. I did the best that I can. You're the best I ever did. You're the best I ever did. go away. I don't even know, really know who did that song. Hey, but it was a fun podcast. I think we had a lot of fun with our previous topics. I hope all of you listeners agree. <laughs> well, what? <laughs> well, we're, gonna, we're gonna be at Soul Retro Gaming Expo January twentieth and twenty first. Use code CU Podcast to save fifteen percent on tickets. Go to SoulCalRetroGamingExpo dot com for more information. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash CU Podcast. A certain NES guidebook is available at Ultimate NES Hey, if you want to broad, broadcast, you can broadcast. But if you want to advertise on the CU Podcast, shoot me an email at CU Podcast at thepunkeffect.com. I mean, that's it. Fruit. They loved us. We, we sold them a lot of, lot of, lot of bars. A lot of fucking we, fruit. We can, we can sell you. We can sell a lot of your, your product and/or brand and/or YouTube site. Chocolate. Oh god, I, I, I gotta find those. Oh no, I do know where those are. Yeah. Unpacking sucks, and I have a lot more to go. But uh, this has been a fun podcast, and I'm going to try to hit Wendy's up before I go to sleep, and I'll be editing this tomorrow morning. And why did you just do that? I but, wanted to see how it would feel. It didn't feel good, did it? You just rubbed the, the, yeah, it felt the like pop shit. filter against your face. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. <laughs> uh, any last words, Ian? Good night. Uh, for Ian Ferguson's good night. Um, Pat Contry's good night. Oh, shit, I forgot to uh, tape SmackDown. Oh, no. Oh, I- no.